0: Hey guys, this is Rich Bocchini. You might remember me as Kevin Owens Punching Bag on SmackDown. You're listening to The Whole Reffin' Show, the only podcast that calls it right down the middle. And now, The Wrestling Podcast that calls it right down the middle The Whole Reffin' Show. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome to yet another exciting episode of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. That would have to be the whole rep and show. My name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley. And I'm so excited and I just can't hide it. I I noticed it. It's very noticeable how excited you are, Darren, now that you mentioned that. Uh, That is accurate. I I mean, I'm, I'm itching. I'm itching. I'm so excited, and cool. so I'm having to,
1: to scratch. I, that to say,
0: I literally see you using your scratcher to scratch yourself, so uh, right again, Darren, right again. Um, a lot of talk about, obviously, the world of wrestling right now. This episode is uh, coming to you a bit late, yet early. Uh, it makes sense to us, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we wanted to, to save this one until post-NXT Takeover 25, so we could be one of the first ones to talk about that. I know we're a little late talking about Double or Nothing, uh, that's the price we pay for this well-timed post NXT Takeover twenty-five uh, episode. Uh, you're absolutely right. I'm gonna say for a
1: wrestling podcast, the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, the whole ref and show, <laughs> and that's very, very heavy on hashtag Wrestle News and Wrestle Views. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I'm going to double down. I'm going to say double or nothing even that this will be very heavy on the wrestle views. Uh, Just looking at my notes here. um, I I feel like, uh, you know, talking about takeover, there's going to be some dissection of grappling, but I feel like based on our topics, this is going to be a whole lot of opinion, like even more than normal. (laughs) That's what wrestling podcasts are built on. Darren, they're, they're built on opinions. I know, I know, I know, but like, th- even our stories are like barely story. Like they're stories, but they're almost like almost. Some of them are just like opinions and arguments,
0: all in, all unto themselves already. Okay, I mean it's it's our commentary on the hot scoops. I that, I, that I makes agree. people come back time and time again. I've I've heard, no, no, Darren, I've heard from all of our hashtag dear listeners, they tune in every week, they listen to the episode multiple times, they wish the episodes were all three and a half hours long, like they used to be, I've heard people say that, okay, no one has said that, but they're thinking it, Darren, they're They're thinking it, I...
1: I think that. <laughs> oh,
0: think. God, God, no. Lord, no. Uh, no, I could talk uh, about wrestling for hours. I could also eat a peach for hours, as <laughs> Nicholas Cage said in Face Off, which I saw on television recently, and I'd forgotten how absurd that movie is and how it should not work, but kind of works. Does it work? It works in a not working kind of way. It
1: doesn't work in 2019 is the correct answer.
0: Well, the whole the whole idea behind Face-Off, that they switch faces and that there are only minor adjustments to their bodies to kind of resemble each other. For those who don't know the movie Face-Off, by the way, it is a John Woo movie. <laughs> it is a John Woo movie, which tells you all you need to know right there, starring Nicolas Cage and uh, John Travolta. Back when they were taken a bit more seriously, though this is not uh this is not one up there <laughs> more serious roles where they're basically playing exaggerated versions of each other um which is kind of funny uh what do you think about it but uh because they are exaggerated versions of themselves so this is them overly exaggerating each other it's it's crazy it's really weird to think about that in itself that in itself is very interesting to me but uh, you know the thing now that now that you've mentioned that and
1: like you're talking about you know someone playing an exaggerated version of themselves. How many times have we heard that in wrestling? Like, oh, I just play an amped-up version of myself, or I play myself turned up to 11, or that, this, that, and the other. Sure. When you think about Face Off, it's really just a wrestling uh, angle. Oh, sure. It's what it is. It's just a wrestling angle. That's what Travolta and Cage represent in that movie, is they're just like good and evil. And then of course, how do we make this particular storyline of good versus evil interesting? We swap their faces. <laughs> and like how that has not already happened in wrestling, I don't know.
0: Right. So yeah, they they basically swap faces and the good guy becomes the the bad guy and, and it's like, oh no, but I'm not really the bad guy. I just have his face. Uh it's it's absurd. I'm gonna stop talking about it because it's <laughs> So absurd. I don't want to spoil it either. If you haven't watched Face Off, go watch Face Off. Uh, you'll thank me. Or you won't. Uh, so, speaking of weirdness, uh, the water of wrestling, I won't say weirdness. Uh, well, there's some weirdness. Speaking of guns, we actually have a gun-related story involving a uh, former a WWE employee, Terry Runnels, a lot of you are chuckling already because you know what that's all about. Uh, we got to talk about uh, Super Showdown. It is this weekend, uh, barely the weekend, this Friday. Uh, the Jeddah show, of course, happening on a Friday, which th- those those exhibition the Saudi Arabia shows, they happen on Fridays, and it's just weird. It's so weird. You know what it reminds me
1: of? And I'm going to be out of school for this one. So, like, I'm going to watch it live, although I, I, ugh, ugh, I don't know if I – I'm getting very close to protesting these shows. I'm just going to say that. I'm getting very close to to protesting these Saudi Arabian shows, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to yet, and I'm not going to get into it. I'm going to get into the daytime part. Uh, All politics aside, um, (laughs) let me just say that I am going to watch Super Showdown this Friday, and I'm going to watch it live, which means I'm going to be watching a live professional wrestling pay-per-view Which WWE themselves are now literally saying, not just hinting at, they're literally saying that it is as important and big, if not bigger, than WrestleMania. They're saying it. No, they're
0: actually. At NXT TakeOver 25, I saw an ad for Super Showdown. The ad literally said the WrestleMania equivalent Super Showdown.
1: Yeah, okay. See, that's ridiculous. That is absurd.
0: We'll get to it. And
1: I guarantee. I guarantee you that the the Saudi Ara- the the Saudi Arabians they they made them say that oh they sure made them- sure okay sure. Well, anyway, so anyway so what I'm saying is I'm <laughs> I have to get excited about this show simply because it reminds me of like watching television during the day as a kid like watching what because that what that meant was that I was at my grandmother's house. And we were watching daytime TV, which means we were it's the 1980s. Watching Donahue and Geraldo,
0: so you're like, watching like General Hospital and and uh, All My Children.
1: <laughs> That's what this feels like. So I'm very excited about it. I'm gonna cook myself a nice big breakfast,
0: and uh, you know, sure. Well, well, many have argued that wrestling is is soap opera for men. So uh, maybe First. they they are one of the same after all. Of course, uh, the wrestling world is abuzz about the latest Talk is Jericho episode with John Moxley, uh, a.k.a. Dean Ambrose, where he kind of unloads on uh, you know his issues with WWE. More so Vince McMahon specifically and creative uh, on WWE. Uh, we're going to talk about that, of course, and uh, chime in with uh, our thoughts on it as well. And uh, like I mentioned before, Double or Nothing happened. We need to talk about that because we've yet to really talk about it on the show Uh, Better late than never. But, oh, NXT TakeOver 25 more recently happened. And we're going to get right into that as well. And uh, give you our opinions on that as we do here. But we can't do that, Darren. Not yet. Not until we talk about some of them headlines. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho, uh, I'm sure a lot of the wrestling fans out there, a lot of the Hashtag Dear Listeners, I, I'd like, as much as I'd like to think they only listen to our podcast when it comes to wrestling, they're probably a little curious about this whole John Moxley interview on uh, Talk is Jericho, and I was interested myself, so I tuned in.
1: <laughs> well, and if you tuned in, then you would have already, by
0: this point, a dollar shave club commercial. Oh, okay. oh, no, no, not a single dollar shave club ad that I can recall from that uh, interview. Uh, you're kidding, me. you're I, kidding. I don't recall there being one, Darren. Um, but all these advertisers definitely got their money's worth because this has to be one of the most downloaded pod wrestling podcast interviews of all time. Has to be, has to be already because everyone's talking about it, uh, everyone's asking me about it even people who don't even know who I am, and I'm just like, you know, I can't. <laughs> they, don't, they, don't know. they don't know
1: who you are. They don't know who John Moxley is. No, no. They don't know what a podcast is. Sure, sure. But, like, you, man, there, uh, there's a, a, a media format I don't know about, and there's all this, oh, there's something about something, The
0: something from the Bible, there's, the walls of Jericho, <laughs> Oh. Good. Yes, It's exactly how the conversations go. Uh, so yeah, so uh, John Moxley, a.k.a. Dean Ambrose, uh, was on Talk as Jericho, and like I said, had many grievances. Uh, talking about the last, uh, I guess, couple of years, few years of his uh, WWE life. I mean, more so basically the entire run of Dean Ambrose and WWE, but more of an emphasis in the last couple of years where he realized like he was really... You know, beating his head against a, a brick wall, as far as like, you know, them making him do really dumb shit. You know, and that's it's accurate, it's very accurate. You know, Ambrose dressing up like a bear, um, you know, doing a bunch of dumb stuff that he did uh, all throughout the years. And it was kind of like, why are they making him do this? So it was, it was refreshing to hear him basically say, like, making me say things I don't want to say, do things I don't want to do. I look like an idiot. Uh, I think he says, like, you're making me look like someone you wouldn't want to go drinking with or something like that is what he says. Um, But talking about that and, uh, you know, him being away, he was injured for many, many months. He was off of television and then him kind of building himself up and getting in like the best shape he possibly could be to kind of like, okay, here's one last chance. I'm going to, you know, do all that I can to try to make this work. I don't want to look back and say, well, maybe if I tried harder here or there, like it would have worked. I want to have no regrets. So he comes back in the best shape of his life. I mean, anyone who saw him come back knew that Ambrose really put some work into the gym when he was away. And they just do the same dumb shit with Ambrose. And he immediately was like, I hate this. I hate Every Monday he wakes up and he's basically super depressed because he knows he's going to have to fight with Vince and the, the writers, the creative team, about what he has to do every day. Just super unhappy stuff. And it made him be disenchanted with the whole idea of wrestling in general, which is his favorite thing. And it's kind of funny because him saying this stuff, I was thinking, like, that's how I felt as a wrestling fan, watching WWE for the past decade or so, where it's just like, I like this. Like this is interesting. I defend this to people who ask me why I watch wrestling like, "Oh, no, it's great. Look at this." Okay, but well, don't look at that. Go back to 1989. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that kind of shit. So, so uh as far as John Moxley being unhappy with WWE creative, I I get it. I totally get it. Well, for okay,
1: I have two things to say about that. One, and I mentioned this, I don't know, a couple months ago when it first aired, but on the WWE Network, there was that show Chronicle, and uh, it's the one of their weird shows on the network that blurs the line of kayfabe because it it does show something that's technically happening behind the scenes, but they're semi in character. And if anybody saw the one with Charlotte Flair uh, leading up to WrestleMania, that's a very very good example because. We all know that she and Becky Lynch are very, very good friends in real life. In fact, um, before they had to become on-screen enemies, they were inseparable everywhere on social media constantly, whether it really fit the storyline or not. Um, uh, But then on this Charlotte Flair Chronicle, in addition to her crying very sincerely about the death of her brother Reed and her apprehensions, about uh, the main event and, and, you know, her passions in life and the love for her father and his illness that all, almost cost him his life, et cetera, et cetera, she turns around and then starts bashing Becky Lynch, her opponent for WrestleMania. So it was clear that Cro- that like Chronicle is just not on the up and up. It's somewhat kayfabe. Well, the Charlotte one made it very like, abundantly clear that it was that way. Before that one came out was the Dean Ambrose one, and it was when Dean was out with his injury. It was you know, the same time that uh, Roman Reigns was out; his leukemia had come back. Well, on that chronicle with Dean Ambrose, I told you at the time, and I mentioned it on on the whole ref and show, of course, at the time that there was something very off about that because they were showing things, they were showing his rehabilitation and him bulking up. And visiting like, the school where he trained, et cetera, et cetera. So it was very, very much um, behind the scenes like you would want it to be, like, you, you, like the WWE Network purports to be. Uh, but then there was a little bit of layer where you could tell they were urging Dean Ambrose to say things he might not normally say, and he would. But you could tell by the way he was saying it that he was like, this is bullshit. Sure. And there was something that was so strange like about that entire little documentary. Um, I want to use the word tone deaf. Like, it made me feel tone deaf. It made me... It was so disruptive. It was so... Uh, strange in its presentation that it made me feel like I was doing something wrong, like I <laughs> didn't have the ability to interpret it properly. But I think the reality is that it was Ambrose, like you know the famous uh, bit where Andy Kaufman goes on the TV show Fridays and he break and he like totally breaks character and he goes against the cue cards and he throws them on the table, sure, Michael. Sure, Ritch- sure. And it's like, that was a shoot. Like, that was all a shoot. And that was Kaufman, you know, like, fucking with people. And I think that this was the, the reason that that Chronicle was so hard to watch was because John Moxley, or John Good, the man behind Dean Ambrose, was somehow giving us a taste of what was going to come from him when he left WWE, but he was doing it on their programming. Sure, sure. And the second thing I was going to say was about uh, – during uh, why, one reason I know why he was so upset was because he did. He did. I believe him when he says he honestly tried to give it one last go because when he did come back, uh, it was during that time that I saw the a recent house show in Tallahassee, uh, Florida, and, and he was feuding with Seth Rollins, and it was Dean Ambrose, The Heel – Feuding against Seth Rollins. This is, of course, before Roman Reigns came back and they all became The Shield again. And Dean Ambrose was working that heel gimmick really hard. This is a live event. This is a house show. There's no cameras. And yet he did such excellent mic work before, during, <laughs> and after the match that I was like, man, I'm, I am a Dean Ambrose fan all over again because of how excellent of a job he did at this house show. So, yeah, he, he, you got to believe him when, when he says he gave it his all, despite being totally uh, disillusioned with the company.
0: Sure. Uh, and the, he mentions that on the episode as well. Which, by the way, listen to the episode. I mean, it's actually like, it's probably 95% Ambrose talking and Jericho just listening. Like, you forget Jericho is there. Because, because Jericho says... That's hard. No, no, and that's the thing, too, is that it's, he, he only talks when he's, you know, plugging advertisements, which I, you can't blame the guy. He's, you know, paying the bills. I get it. Um, I'm just jealous. I just want all those sweet ads on my show. Schweppes. A sparkling tradition since 1783. But anyway, um, so, I mean, it's just Ambrose sounding off on that, and he's talking specifically about the time he's feuding with Rollins. You know, Reigns is gone, And the writers on WWE, you know, Monday night, they want him to say negative things about Reigns, about his cancer. And he's just like, no, I'm not saying that. And then I think maybe the first one he actually does say, because Vince somehow like convinces him like, oh, no, no, it's not as bad as you think. And then when he actually says it, he's like, oh, my God, that is as bad as I think. And then like you know, a week or so later, it's like, okay, now say this thing about Reigns' is cancer, and he was finally like, no, I'm not saying that. And he like, went to Vince and said, I'm not saying that. There's no way I'm saying that. He, he has a good point about it, where he mentions like, like Susan G. Komen, which is the the Cancer Foundation WWE works with uh, very yeah, closely. Yeah, absolutely. Sure, and he says like, if I say this, like, you're gonna hear from them, like, immediately, and and rightly so, and, and so was like, okay, you don't have to say that. But, I mean, and, and then, of course, Reigns comes back, and they become the Shield again, and And all that stuff. And Jericho, uh, talking about like the last month or so that Ambrose was with the company, because he mentions he's leaving. I think he still has like 90 days left. Um, And and we talked about this leading up to that 90 days, how weird it was that WWE was like, you know, Ambrose is not resigning, folks. He is not resigning his contract. This is it for the Shield. Blame Ambrose. He's leaving. Uh, He's not resigning. He's just not resigning, folks. And it's just, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. How many times did we talk about that? that we is talked about that. So bizarre. We
1: talked about it over and over again because that has never, ever, even
0: one time, yeah. ever before been the way that that is handled. Sure, and they mentioned that as well. Jericho, I think, mentioned something about that. Um, but also, like uh, Ambrose, basically finds out that he's you know more or less being jobbed out. You know what I mean? Uh, like, he finds out about the Nia Jax thing, which he said he was fine with. He had no problem doing it. It's 2019. And good on him, you know. Um, and he he handled that fine. And he's losing to, like, you know, EC3 and stuff like that, which the fans, you know, you're, you're, even your casual fan is wise to that, you know. They're, they're smart enough to know when someone, oh, they're leaving, so you're going to make them lose every single match. So they're trying to get EC3 over on Ambrose, but everyone's booing the shit out of EC3 because they see the writing on the wall that Ambrose is just being punished for leaving basically it's all Vince going now you lose to him you see that guy the hot dog vendor you're gonna lose to him next week you know what I mean that kind of shit um so it's that but uh Jericho says like you know I was watching it I don't think they really jobbed you out and I was I wanted to jump into my my listening device and go are you an idiot did you watch WWE they made Bobby Lashley basically say don't worry I'll fuck your wife while you're gone. Literally, he said, like, don't worry, I'll take care of Renee while you're away. And, like, R- Renee's response was just, like, you know, like, like, what is that supposed to mean? And that was, like, the best response. It was just, like, uh, no. <laughs> I-, I get to say that you don't, by the way. Um, and, like, I think Ambrose just attacks Bobby Lashley. And they have a match, and I think, ultimately, Ambrose loses that match. But yeah, it's, like,
1: yeah, uh, hey, hey, Vince McMahon and friends, Hashtag consent. Exactly. Uh,
0: yes. Yes. Precisely. But I mean, it's like Jericho, uh, <laughs> he was just wrong about that. I think Ambrose even said like, like, it depends on who you ask if I was jobbed out or not. It was like, you totally were jobbed out. If not for like one final hurrah, you know, for the shield, then it would have been much worse for Ambrose. If not, uh, like he, he would have lost to anyone every week all the way out the door but because they wanted to sell a couple more of the Shield t-shirts, uh, he was able to be victorious with the Shield a few more times. But if not for that, oh, yeah, he would have lost to anyone and everyone. <laughs> yeah, I think that it
1: is, wow. I mean, when we talk about Double or Nothing, we'll talk about the fact that he is Jon Moxley again, not just in theory, but he has appeared because uh, he made his AEW debut at Double or Nothing as John Moxley, and so um, I will say. Let me take this opportunity to say real quick: John Moxley is a superior name to Dean Ambrose. Like Mo- John Moxley just sounds like a real badass name. It sounds but like Moxie. I've, you got Moxie, kid. But there's, I've never had a problem with the name Dean Ambrose. Like it's rare that somebody in wrestling has multiple names that are very different, and they're like both good. Like. And so that that is one thing. He will likely never be Dean Ambrose again, but I'll never uh, I'll never think, oh, what a stupid name. Dean Ambrose was a good name. Moxley is just an amazing name. Sure, sure. Yeah, and so anyway, uh, John Moxley, the the talk is Jericho interview didn't stop him talking. Uh, there, he's I know he's done at least another podcast or two. And I know he's given several uh, interviews, which have appeared in writing, that are already online. Um, they they he he's turned on the chatterbox, and he has got a lot to say. And I'm anxious to continue following him as he vents, as he uses this time to vent all of uh, all of his feelings. Because
0: more things are going to come up as time passes. Sure. And he goes, oh yeah, and by the way. Right. You know, and, and apparently now you have wrestlers in WWE who are equally, you know, exhausted by the creative team. Um, and, you know, Vince McMahon, who wants, like, when they're already counting the days when they leave for their as Jericho interview, like, oh, here's my story. And, you know, Vince isn't too happy with that, by the way. No, I'm sure he isn't. And I would think that speaking of EC3, uh, that dude's got to be looking for a way out right now, right? i imagine so. I imagine a lot of people are looking for a way out now. And now that there's a company that with some money behind it, they're like, oh, well, then I got somewhere to land if I jump off the ship.
1: Uh, yeah, let's pretend that this... Uh, I'm going to take this opportunity right here. Let's pretend uh, that this podcast is a five-paragraph theme. I want to go ahead and drop some foreshadowing in here. I want to drop a point that I'm going to address later. Just so that our listeners know that this isn't something that pops into my head later. So far, we've talked, we, we we have addressed other people running Vince McMahon and his operation into the ground. We ourselves have said things which appear to be running Vince McMahon and his operation into the ground. All of that seems, whether it's other people talking about it or us, it seems to be entirely at the expense of the WWE. And entirely in um, in support of AEW and the like, but I'm going to say I'm going to drop this little nugget here and then bl- uh, the, and let it bloom maybe uh, into our conversations later about the two pay per views in question, uh, Double or Nothing and Takeover 25, where I'm going to say things that seem to contradict it because AEW is not too big to fail aew is not impervious to making its own mistakes and i'm afraid that aew may be getting too big for its britches already and the reason i say that is i'll address when we get there
0: (laughs) so much build up for a oh to be continued folks but at least it's to be continued in a few minutes. Um, fine, fine, fine. Well, in that case, yeah, we'll we'll put the we we'll cap on the bottle here with the Talk is Jericho interview. Uh, go listen to it. It's very interesting, very eye opening. I mean, it kind of validates all of our suspicions about the frustrations from the talent uh, within WWE involving you know Vince McMahon and creative because it, it just if this is an everyday occurrence like it must be exhausting working for that company and and it literally makes it sound like it is jericho had a lot of similar things to say that kind of echoed gene ambrose too so um there's that so check it out for yourself that's all we're going to say about it folks uh but speaking of wwe this friday is super showdown and uh we're not going to do a proper head to head head to head but uh we would like to mention the uh the card as it is and uh, here's all the people, here's all the traitors to the cuz that are selling out to the man and going across the... <laughs> I won't say that. I won't say that. But again, the the Jetta shows are what they are. You obviously are entitled to your own opinion about them. I, I think it's kind of shady business, but it is business. So I understand why you do it. But I don't know why a billionaire needs a couple million dollars because uh, he's a billionaire. But he's got shareholders to answer to, so I understand that as well. But uh, still, not cool, Vince, not cool.
1: Yeah, and before we get into this card, I think we have to address again those who are not going to be there. We know that Daniel Bryan and Kevin Owens both opted out. They both said, no way, not going to do it. We, we We are firmly against this product, but... We also know the Saudi Arabians themselves have said no women on the card. I was about to say, all the women have opted out, but that's yeah. because they involuntarily opted out. We now know that Alistair Black, it wasn't a decision on his part to not wrestle. It was a decision among the Saudis who made a comment about his uh, women's equality tattoo. And so that cost him. And we now know that it was not Sami Zayn's choice. Now, I'm not saying that Alistair Black would have not opted out. He never had the chance. Same with Sami Zayn. We know that he didn't go last time, and we knew he wasn't going this time. But we assumed it was all his own doing. And again, he might have chosen, much like Owens and Brian, not to do it. But again, like Aleister Black, wasn't given the choice. Because of his Syrian ethnicity, the Saudis don't want... Sami Zayn, there. Sure. So it's like, are you kidding me? Like this is this is increasingly problematic. The more they go, the more light is going to be shown on the fact that they are absolutely sacrificing company values, personal values, political stances, in intra-company uh, morale. Uh, I mean, this is going to be. I think that in the end, it will not be worth the money that they're getting from the Saudis.
0: I agree with that completely. And again, I go back to my whole: Why does a billionaire need to make this money? Uh, he doesn't, is the thing. But uh, regardless, there is a show in Jeddah this Friday, and uh, there is. The card, there so. is. We should talk about
1: it purely as a wrestling product, and so let's do that. Uh, Lars Sullivan is taking on the Lucha House Party. Surprisingly,
0: <laughs> surprisingly, Lars Sullivan has uh, no qualms about going to Jeddah and wrestling. Uh, yeah, we haven't mentioned this in the show, but maybe, maybe a guy who's in hot water for making a lot of uh, statements against uh, minorities shouldn't be squashing minorities on a weekly basis. I think that's kind of a dumb call. But I think that is literally Vince McMahon. Going like, everybody wants me to, to pull back and, and let go of Lars Sullivan. Well, yeah, well, it's my company. and He's going to literally beat up minorities every week. Not only is that disrespectful or
1: just completely, ignorantly oblivious to their the reality that they are minorities, uh, another problem is that they're luchadors. They're cruiserweights. They're... On the two hundred five live brand, and here's what we're getting is Vince McMahon <laughs> saying definitively that this regular sized man is better than any three men under two hundred and five pounds.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong about that. No, it's funny. It's like when they they put like uh, like Braun Strowman or I guess Paul White back in the day, the Big Show, whatever you want to call them, um, like against like three like like local guys. And it's like, what are you trying to prove that this large man can beat up three nobodies? How about you have like three under contract regular wrestlers fight? You know what I mean? And when you put up against, you put someone against cruiserweights, it makes it sound like, oh, what do you mean this heavyweight can defeat a couple of cruiserweights? Wow, I didn't, I, I didn't think that would be possible. Exactly. Because
1: you're, you're giving that, me- again, with the talking out of both sides of your mouth shit. Like you're you're saying, if you're Vince McMahon or the, the booking, you're saying by putting Sullivan over these three guys, uh, you're you're saying weight divisions matter. But then you have Seth Rollins defeating Brock Lesnar, or you have Finn Balor defeating Braun Strowman, and all of a sudden, what's the message there? Weight classes don't matter. Well, then what the hell? I know it's wrestling. I know that it's. Scripted and it's predetermined, but geez, guys, hashtag wrestling logic, let there be some. Right,
0: I agree with that.
1: All right, Seth Rollins is defending the Universal Championship against Baron
0: Corbin. (laughs) (laughs) that match going to be as boring as it sounded when you just said it just now? I mean, I actually like Baron Corbin.
1: I, I'm just really getting bored of Seth Rollins, is the case. And I'm certainly, I'm well over the Universal title. Please take your fruit roll up and go home. Wow. Like, um, yeah, Kofi Kingston, your WWE champion, something I'm also not thrilled about. <laughs> He's defending against Dolph
0: Ziggler? What? That actually, I mean, Ziggler came Where out of Where is left- Dolph Ziggler Well, yeah, no, what you're about to say is kind of like, why is Dolph Ziggler, who's been gone for a while, why does he have a world title opportunity all of a sudden? Well, one, because, you know, the the Saudis are booking this show, clearly. Uh, But two, actually, this matchup is kind of interesting because Dolph hasn't been put in this position in a very long time. So as far as, like, match quality, I've I've never been terribly excited when it comes to Dolph Ziggler, but I've always appreciated his ability. To say he has no wrestling ability is is, is clearly false. Uh, same with Kofi. You might not be thrilled with the whole title run, uh, and it might be there might be political reasons for him being champion, whatever you want to say. Uh, but at the same time, he's a he's a talented wrestler. So I think the match will be good. Um, but I, I do miss when people actually had to win matches to become contenders for titles. That's my biggest issue with this. Yeah,
1: my my issue too. I mean, I like Dolph Ziggler. Much like me saying I like Baron Corbin, I like Dolph Ziggler. I like to watch Dolph Ziggler wrestle. I just don't care about him wrestling Kofi Kingston out of the blue while Kofi Kingston is the WWE champion. That just ugh, that just it just looks like it just looks like nothing. It's just <laughs> not a, it's just not exciting. It's not intriguing. They they might have a good match, but It's the WWE main roster. We know they're not going to be allowed to have the match they're capable of. Sure, sure. That's what it comes down to on the main roster now is if it's not boring, if it's not been done a thousand times, then the only hope is that two good wrestlers, whoever they may be, will put on a good match. But we know now we have been trained to know that on the main roster, they're not going to have a good match. So now, if you take the possibility of having some sort of barn burner match out of the equation, then you've got to at least make it exciting in some other way, and there damn sure is not anything interesting about Kofi Kingston versus Dolph Ziggler. That's all I'm saying.
0: I can see that. I can see that as well. Not every match can be The Undertaker versus Goldberg, but fortunately, a match that is that... Is the Undertaker versus
1: Goldberg, Darren? There you go, Goldberg versus the Undertaker, and that's weird.
0: Um, that's <laughs> happening.
1: That's happening in Saudi Arabia in 2019.
0: Right. If you would have told anyone that was going to happen, you know, five years ago, or shit, five months ago at this point. Oh, that's gonna happen. They're gonna, they're gonna do a show in Saudi Arabia, and it's gonna be the Undertaker versus Goldberg. People would have laughed and said, "You're silly."
1: Well, yeah. The, first of all, the fact—I think the number one reason, the, oh, the number one reason is Goldberg. Period. The number two reason is they've never wrestled. They've never wrestled each other. So the idea that they're going to wrestle—I don't even like using the word wrestle. In
0: in relation to this match, <laughs> I I just like how they're really emphasizing first time ever, and I I find it funny that they have to add ever afterward because doesn't first time mean first time it's happening? Uh, first time lately, you know. I I get it. It's the first time it's ever happening. I understand, but uh, no one's excited about this match. I don't know. I, I guess I guess die hard casual fans who just want to see it happen can be happy about that. This is one of those matches that you read in the back of the, the VHS tape for the wrestling pay-per-view and go, oh, that looks awesome. But then you forget, oh, no, this is way late. Oh, God, no, God, no. Um, so there's no way it's going to be good, but it'll be an interesting visual.
1: Yeah, it it will be. I, I, I have to admit I'm still a sucker for The Undertaker's entrance. I'll 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 definitely bite on seeing Goldberg come out. Looking at his Instagram photos, he looks like a damn million dollars. Um, <laughs> That's how like, much he's they, getting they paid. They both do. Yeah. That <laughs> to be perfectly fair to these guys, they both look great for their age. Sure,
0: it's, uh, it's not it's not fair. Sure. It, it's, it's not fair to harp on like, oh, someone's too old, too old. They called Hogan too old and like ninety like four and he went right. on to wrestle way beyond two thousand four. Uh so no I, I totally understand that. But uh no no as much as I bitch and complain that Taker should have retired at WrestleMania 33, uh, I still hear the the bell of his music and the lights go out and I still get the chill bumps. So it's still I mean Taker's my favorite wrestler ever. I mean and so for me to be like stop. Stop showing up. Stop showing up. Stop showing up means like, like you 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 make me like you're you're discrediting yourself by you know keep showing up. But again, it's business. I get it. Whatever. <laughs> I know, man. It's so frustrating.
1: Uh, I don't know what. I honestly just don't know what to make of it. These these Saudi Arabian shows keep getting kookier. And kookier. Uh, <laughs> no, it's like Michaels. Is,
0: it's like Shop Michaels. You don't want to see Michaels now. You know, give me give me Michaels from the '90s all day, every day. But not Michaels now. Don't remind yeah, this, me that people get older, please. This is
1: weird, man. This is weird. We've still got three more, four more matches to talk about, which means at least eight. More people, and then there's a 50 man battle royal. Oh man!
0: Oh my! I forgot about the 50 man battle royal. Probably not a that whole. Means- probably not a whole lot of uh, probably not a whole lot of Irish whips in that match. No. I,
1: I. Well, first of all, we haven't seen anything like this. We haven't seen anything even close to this since WCW's World War Three, which was a 60-man Battle Royal, but that was in three rings,
0: at least. They accommodated the amount of sweaty meat that's going to be in the ring at once. Uh, I-, I think they... Maybe they meant to say Royal Rumble, but said Battle Royal instead, which, again, Battle Royals, all the combatants start off in the ring at the same time at the beginning of the match, so... Right. And I think that that's what they mean. I think that that's what this is going to be.
1: How can you even build a ring to withstand that weight? That's an incredible amount of weight. I mean, rings are not, they're only so strong. I mean, how much reinforcement is there going to have to be for, I don't know. Anyway, all the people that are forced to be. Uh, left at home in the United States, and there's still easily 75 to 80 wrestlers on this
0: card. I mean, that's absurd. I think. I mean, they I... need yeah. If they need 50 people to fill out that battle royal, I think former WWE Raw Tag Team Champion Nicholas might be involved <laughs> in the match, where the the wrestling rules, uh, the laws are a little bit more lax over in Jeddah. I've heard, so he can yeah. actually legally compete.
1: Maybe so. Maybe he might so. have to
0: fill out a permission slip for his parents.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> his father is a WWE referee,
0: right? Isn't that the story? Uh, i hadn't I heard about that, actually. No. He'll, he'll be in the match also. He might actually have to heel turn his son and throw him out of the ring. But uh, That might be the best thing that happens. Oh, my God. Now that has to happen. Well, I'm going to get millions of dollars and force everyone to come to my apartment or I will book a show. And that that is how the battle that is how my sixty man battle royal will end, Darren. Spoiler alert, just so you know.
1: (laughs) Well, now we don't have to have it, because we already know how it's gonna end.
0: (laughs) All right, all right, all right. I saved a lot of money just telling you what happens.
1: So here's two here's two here's two interesting matches, two problematically interesting matches. Excessively
0: interesting matches.
1: They're two interesting Shane McMahon Shane McMahon is fighting Roman Reigns. Well, Shane McMahon at least as far as Saudi Arabia is concerned, is the best wrestler <laughs> in the world. <laughs> because I love the, last that. Th- it's the last time they were there, that's what they decided that he was. They crowned him the, the winner of the World Cup, the best wrestler in the world. The other problematic uh... match is Braun Strowman versus Bobby Lashley. Last time Braun Strowman was victorious uh, in Saudi Arabia, they gave him a belt that looks like the universal belt only it was green right well what happened to the sour apple belt like what where's the sour apple belt well, I, hope, you know? I hope he wears yeah. it he's not gonna okay And uh, he, he's not going he's not going to do that he's going to come out with and fight bobby lashley with nothing on the line so where's that belt where's your big green sour apple belt braun Strowman? we need to see it Oh, my God, they just don't care, do they?
0: <laughs> no, Darren, they don't care.
1: And then last, oh, no, 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 there's still two more. Uh, the Intercontinental Championship is on the line as your IC champion, Balor, takes on Andrade. Now, this is the definition of if they were given
0: free reign, this would easily be the best
1: match of the night.
0: Oh, sure. Like, if, if this happened on NXT uh, TakeOver, it could be like Match of the Year caliber. Absolutely. But, but it won't. Absolutely. And, and a little little little, uh, little dog ear on the page there. I want to reference that later on in our TakeOver 25 review. But absolutely. And then, uh, what is the main
1: event of the show? Is the main event Triple H versus Randy Orton? Because that's just awful. But I think it is.
0: <laughs> hey man, if that's what they want, that's what they get. I mean, if 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 they can you know bring Taker out and bring Goldberg out, who certainly should have been done after Mania thirty three. He's he th- these are two men that should have been fucking done done after Mania thirty three, and here they are. Yep. <laughs> here they are. They here
1: they are. Oh my god, they're trotting them out. They're yep. trotting them
0: out. Yeah. Get, 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 well, the, get, the, get the show ponies out. Here they are. You know their names. You, you, have, you own their, their action figures. Well,
1: let, let, me, let me reference the 50, uh, 50-man Battle Royal again real quickly uh, to, to close up our conversation on Super Showdown. I will be interested to see who these 50 people are because all of their biggest stars, so to speak, are in this match. Of course, we're talking about the, the male gender because none, none of the females are there, of course. So Dan Matha will be there, is what you're saying. I mean, maybe, maybe, like, um, which, by the way, uh, just, I'm, I'm saying this to you, in case you, Perry, don't know this. Yeah, Dan Matha is actually teaming with Riddick Moss now instead of Tino Sabatelli. And I think that, like, Matha and Moss are doing pretty much that Sabatelli gimmick, and yet, Sabatelli's still there, is he? I don't know if he's hurt. I hadn't heard anything about him being injured. But, uh, yeah, that's kind
0: of weird. It's it's kind of strange. A lot of the talent that's been around forever, you know, since, you know, you and I went to a lot of house shows years ago, still have really yet to break the NXT television, uh, you know. Uh, there's no eyes on them as far as, like, te- actual television goes, like actual cameras go. Um, but, I mean, they're at every house show. And they've been there forever. And the the Adrian Jodes of the world, the Cesar Bononi's of the world. Uh, which yeah. if, if you if you check NXT's Instagram, they're wrestling at every like house show in Florida, but they've yet to get on TV. And they've been there forever, forever, Darren. <laughs> it's
1: it's actually it's weird now that we you and I are kind of out of the uh, NXT house show. Loop like because we used to be firmly entrenched in it. We were at every Jacksonville show, every Gainesville show, and about every other or every third Ocala show. Yeah, uh, we were we were neck deep in like NXT recruits and signees and fresh meat, and like we knew everybody before anybody knew
0: anybody. Sure, absolutely. and We're talking about Dan Matheson and, and, and Babatunde, and you know all these people. Hey. Uh, and Steve Cutler, which finally, his day in the sun, Darren, he, he made it to TakeOver.
1: Uh, oh, man, I was so happy, not only for Cutler being on TakeOver, but I was so happy that Mauro Ronaldo actually referenced that Wesley Blake had been an NXT Tag Team Champion sure, before. Sure, Years earlier, and I was like, ah, oh, thank God that, uh, like, Please, for Wesley Blake's sake, and if o- for only his sake, please stop pretending that every time he's repackaged, he's a new person. <laughs> the guy is a damn, like, he is, he is, uh, he's a tried and true veteran at this point.
0: No, I think Wesley Blake is like Hugh Jackman's character from The Prestige. Where every time, like, he performs, he has to kill himself and a clone takes over. For all we know, it is a clone of Wesley Blake. <laughs> oh, my God. For his sake, I hope it is, because he's been stuck in NXT purgatory for so long. And uh, we'll talk about the Forgotten Sons, a.k.a. Bikers Without Bikes, uh, later on at TakeOver25. But let's, let's finish out this, this, this soddy super show. That's it. That's it, man. Oh, just, I just I got to see I got to
1: see who who could possibly round out fifty people. We talk about how bloated their roster is, but fifty after you all after you take all the top people out and you still are going to have fifty. I'm interested to see just how many NXT and NXT UK people end up in this match. I'm not, and I'm, and that's not me crapping on it. I'm actually, I'm excited about that. I'm excited to say. I'm not I'm not excited that they're all on board for the Saudi thing again. If I must dip my toe into the political part of it for a second, but I
0: am excited that they're getting some network
1: exposure.
0: Sure, sure. And uh, speaking of Dan Matha, he was involved in Greatest Royal Rumble, so yes, he was. I think he might make a comeback here. Uh, Jeddah loves him. It's it's Mathemania over there. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, mathematics, whatever whatever his fan base is called uh both it's mostly his relatives but uh anyway that's it for a super showdown it should be interesting to say the least we always kind of uh it's hard not to be negative on these shows because of the political reasons behind them but we're always fairly surprised by how entertaining they turn out to be uh so that being said we'll we'll just we'll save the rest of our uh observations uh after we actually watch the goddamn thing so that's that. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna move on. Last bit of news here: uh, Terry Runnels uh, was arrested recently. Uh, Marlena, uh, of course, you might know her. Gold Dust, aka Dustin Rhodes' uh, ex-wife, was arrested for bringing a loaded firearm uh, or trying to, rather, uh, onto a plane. Is there anything to say about this more than like, man, that's really stupid, huh?
1: Well, no, uh, they're, they're not really. For some reason, Terry Runnels has made it clear now that yes, she did have a loaded Glock nine millimeter on her person. In fact, she quote had it in her Vera Bradley tote. End quote. And uh, she said that it, she co- completely forgot it was there.
0: That she just went
1: to the airport no. in Tampa.
0: No. This this is not a Derringer. This is a Glock. This is a handgun. If I have a handgun, I'm aware of where it is 24 hours a day. Well, but
1: she was just coming from
0: her mama's house, is what she said. Okay, that's fine then. She always
1: takes it with her to her mama's house because her mama (laughs) relies on Terry to shoot the armadillos in the garden. (laughs) okay oh okay so she was let off then with a a warning no no Uh, in fact she will see her day in court uh this crime is actually punishable by up to five thousand dollars in fines
0: and up to five years in prison right i i i don't think she needs to go to prison for this uh fine her Find her, and, and everyone can say, "Man, what an idiot you are!" Because that's what she deserves. But obviously, she she wasn't trying to board the plane to hijack the plane. She wasn't trying to, you know, hurt anyone with the gun. Sure. You know, odds are pretty pretty good that that's not the case. Um, so, no. As a matter of fact, uh, her mother lives in
1: <laughs> in a small town in North Florida, which I have family. Who are friends with her. Oh, nice. Well, I think I might have to uh, shoot a text to my aunt. Don't and say shoot. Say like... Don't say shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to send a text to my aunt and say, uh, uh, Big armadillo problem there in uh, Swanee County? Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> well, okay, well... Congratulations, Terry Runnels, because that was our Schweppes moment of the evening. Another Schweppes moment brought to you by Schweppes. Schweppes, a sparkling tradition since 1783. Why bring a loaded firearm into a plane when you can bring a nice, cool glass of Schweppes? That's what I'm screaming. Why have a loaded firearm in your, in your tote bag when you can have a loaded can of Schweppes? Oh, I know.
1: (laughs) A loaded can of Schweppes. (laughs) Sure. We're not encouraging you, dear listeners, to bring anything loaded onto an airplane. As a matter of fact, if if the airline you're taking is worth its salt, they should have Schweppes on board, and you can just request
0: one. Absolutely, sure. I know what I'm drinking. I know what my every time I. Yeah, I go, can I have a Schweppes? And they say, what?
1: (laughs) Well, before we get into the two big cards that we want to talk about, we do need to mention the fact that they are kind of going to go head-to-head. Head-to-head. In only two months. After AEW announced that on Saturday, the 31st of August, from the Sears Center in Chicago, Illinois, they would be presenting, haha, get this, clever name, All Out instead of All In. After that, Triple H announced that the NXT UK brand would be putting on their own Takeover Network special from Cardiff, Wales. And Triple H then said, quote, follow that, end quote. Wow. Now, Right, right. I'm going to, when we get to TakeOver 25, um, again, this is, this is hint two, this is step two toward me telling my real feelings about the week in pro wrestling with this new uh, <laughs> competition that's brewing between WWE and AEW. But uh, what do you say we get into these shows? Let's talk about AEW Double or Nothing. Let's do it. Leave it, Bates. You might also know me as Blue Pants. You might also know me as the Queen of Cosplay. You might also know me as girl who just kicked your butt. And this is a whole reffin' show. From Las Vegas, Nevada, on Saturday, the 25th of May, 2019, All Elite Wrestling, they doubled down. They went double or nothing in the... and. As far as chronology goes, that's a little bit weird because Double or Nothing means that there had to be a a single or something, which there wasn't technically because All In wasn't real. Oh, gosh. It's convoluted already. (laughs) Nothing like starting off confusing, right? Sure, sure, sure. But nevertheless, Double or Nothing was the bell of the ball. It was the biggest story in pro wrestling since All In. It was the first major pay-per-view from some company that is truly trying to compete with WWE in a long, 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 long time. We're talking about All Elite Wrestling, the company founded and funded by the Khan family uh, who own the Jacksonville Jaguars and are attempting to make Jacksonville the new London. That's what happens if you ask Shad Khan what he's doing, and uh, that'd be interesting. Um fish and chips
0: down in Jacksonville. What do you say, Perry? Well, I, I'm I am from Jacksonville, Florida, Darren. I am a that is where I was born and spent the first eleven years of my life. And I did notice the last time I was there that people were driving on the opposite side of the road. So <laughs> maybe there is something to what these cons are saying. Oh,
1: so it's not a it's not a C O N, huh? Right? It's not a con. Oh, yes. Well done. Well done. <laughs> uh, oh, you silly Jackson villains. Okay, <laughs> so in the desert, however, very far from Jacksonville, uh, AEW and its executive producers or vice presidents, Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks and their best friends in the elite, of course, I guess they're all elite now, but, of course, we mean Kenny Omega and and the hangman Adam Page, they are putting it all out there. They're putting it on the line. They're trying to put a show out there that will uh, match up or outdo all in, and of course, they believe, will outdo any wrestling show anywhere in the world. And I'm going to say before we even start talking about the matches that it didn't really
0: do that, in my opinion. Whoa, controversy, Darren, controversy. Uh I mean I, I watched it as well and uh I, I really really enjoyed it. Uh it wasn't as magical or I will not even say magical because that that's that's that can be dangerous. Um as special as uh, All in was. It it seemed like I don't know, I have a lot of mixed feelings when it comes to EEW. Um first of all, this show should have been free. You should have given this show away for free because this is your first outing. You want to build a fan base. The, the, already you have the hardcore, diehard wrestling fans who are going to watch AEW. This is how you bring in your casual fans. You should have made this free, then release every single match on YouTube. You could have made some money that way. But uh, yeah, this should have been the free sample you give to everyone to kind of to, to kind of get more buzz behind AEW because more eyes would have been on it. Um, that, that's just me. That, that's what I think. I mean, the money—the money comes. You can ask uh, Tito Sabatelli and uh, Riddick Moss, uh, though maybe maybe not now because I don't know where that music is anymore. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I would have given this one away for free. And more mixed feelings about AEW. their the exclusivity where the wrestlers, for the most part, can only work for AEW and they can't go work for ROH, can't work for. New Japan Pro Wrestling. And we're talking about a a company that is built on a show all in that was such a joint effort of multiple companies saying, Here's what we can do when we all, you know, join forces. And they went, See what we can do. All right, now we're going to take your best from that company, your best from that company, your best from that company. We're going to go over here and they can't play with you anymore. Sorry, bye. And that is kind of shitty. To me, right. So <laughs> I also have those feelings about AEW. Uh, but that being said, it was well, it was a good show. It was definitely a good show.
1: It was a good show, but there were parts that I was just like, "What? What? Right? This is what you you're putting this. You're charging fifty dollars for this. You're trying to compete with WWE and New Japan with this." Like, oh god! Actually, I'll talk about it when we get to the match. But let me just save it. I don't want to. I don't want to start bashing Chris Jericho this early. So first of all, there's the 21 man Casino Battle Royale. Now this was uh, e- five wrestlers start the match, and every three minutes, five more wrestlers entered. They were split up into four, but the clubs, the diamonds, the hearts, and the spades. And then one person comes out of the winner. That's the Joker, uh, who enters alone. Uh, Okay, this is getting a little too cutesy for the Las Vegas gimmick for me, but whatever. Um, So this had Dustin Thomas, MJF, Sunny Days, Brandon Cutler, Michael Nakazala, Isaiah Cassidy, Jimmy Havoc, Joey Janella, Brian Pillman Jr., looking almost unrecognizable with his platinum blonde uh, mullet. Sean Spears, of course, formerly known as... Ty Dellinger and he did enter as the tenth person.
2: Yay.
1: Billy Gunn Glacier. (laughs) Jungle Boy, Mark Quinn, Ace Romero, Luchasaurus, Marco Stunt, Sunny Kiss, Tommy Dreamer, Orange Cassidy, and Adam Page. Now, I'm very, very happy that the final four, final five in this match were who they were because they were the
0: really kind of the only people that belong there. Right. No, I think... Am I? No, I I agree with you because it's... I think this whole match is kind of an indicator of what All Elite Wrestling is going to be, which is like some very talented people, uh, some oddballs, and some holdouts from a bygone era. AKA Glacier, that Karate fighter him. Karate, fighter! karate
2: fighters. Uh
0: and Billy Gunn. Um so that that's not a good thing. If if that's what AEW becomes, no one wants to see Billy Gunn and no one sure as shit wants to see Glacier.
1: Well, that's the problem with the AEW model already is you got to respect the vision of Cody Rhodes, who wants to provide an alternative to Vince McMahon. Okay, that's what Dusty wanted to do several times. His father, you got to respect the fact that he's wanting to push young, hungry guys who either feel that WWE was not a good fit for them or would not be a good fit for them. In the uh, in the case of like Omega and the Bucks, the problem is that like WCW. They're going to – it's going to get so nepotistic and good old boy so fast you're not going to be able to, to save it. And that's what happens when you bring – like I love Diamond Dallas Page. Like I'm going to use him as the example because we all know how much I absolutely hate Glacier. So <laughs> right, right. it is impossible for me to say anything about him that's not going to be completely biased and hate-filled. All right. I love DDP. Are you really wasting airtime on him? He, he, he barely appeared. He barely did anything. But he still, somebody wrote him a check. He didn't appear for free, right? Sure, sure. That's that's what I'm saying. You're, you're writing Diamond Dallas Page a check, really, uh, in 2019 to, to come out and be seen for five seconds and make somebody go, oh, was that DDP? Right. Oh, my God. And make some yoga like, references. That which... doesn't attract... New viewers. Tommy Dreamer. I love him. I love him. His feud with Raven is in my top three feuds of all time in wrestling. It might be my number one. But do I want to see Tommy Dreamer wrestle anymore? No, I do not. (laughs) I say throw out this battle royal. Give me a Joey Janela versus Jimmy Havoc singles match. Like, holy crap. Give me a Brian Pillman Jr. versus MJF singles match. Oh my god. You know, give me like uh um, I don't know, man, like give me Jungle Boy and anybody in a in a high flying high paced match. This might be uh you might have two or three more badass matches instead of this match which other than Janela trying to break his own neck by falling through a table head first, the match did nothing for me. It really did nothing for me. Uh, And Adam Page wins, and that's what's so weird, is this match seems kind of throwaway, it seems kind of filler, and yet the winner is guaranteed to
0: be one half of the match for the inaugural AEW championship. Right, like, we're supposed to take this seriously? Like, what if you're going to maybe make Glacier your number one contender to your AEW championship? Probably not. So it's kind of a joke to even have them in it. It's it's more, I mean, it's it's kind of like the gimmick Battle Royal. From like, was that WrestleMania, was that 17 or something like that? Uh, so it was, it was forever so. ago. Okay. But I mean, it's kind of like, okay, here are the jokes. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then here's like, here are some oddballs, like I said, and here are some legitimate wrestlers. How about you just trim the fat? We know these guys are your buddies. That's fine. And do like a like a mystery eight man tag, and we don't know who's coming out, and it's like you know four killer wrestlers, typically indie guys against four killer wrestlers, maybe have like DDP on one team and glacier if you must, on the other team. So like you have you have exactly what you had, only a more condensed like a, a better version of it, you know what I mean? And, like, whoever yeah. whoever wins the elimination-style match, whatever, you know, that they, they go on to whatever. I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, elimination-style, so it's kind of weird. Because, like, what if an entire team survives, whatever? But, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to say, like, there's a lot of ways to do this without doing that, which was a waste of time. And just, like, well, he's our buddy. Look at this guy. He's our buddy. And that's exactly what it is. And that's what AEW is becoming, as you said already, but... So there's that. Hangman Page is your number one contender to the AEW championship. And he goes on to fight the winner of the Omega Jericho match, which happens later on in the night.
1: Before the show properly begins, because AEW is also doing the lovely pre show gimmick, uh, there is one more match, and that is Kip Sabian versus Sammy Guevara. Now, I've only seen Sammy Guevara in Wrestle Circus. Um, I know that i we've heard a lot about him from uh good friend of the show, Rich Bokini. But uh I just I'm not that familiar with Sammy yet. I know that he's a high flyer and and he's a fan favorite, but uh he's working a heel gimmick uh at Double or Nothing. Taking on Kip Sabian, who I had actually never heard of, but actually left this weekend kind of a fan of. I think I like Kip Sabian. And I'm interested to see where he goes from here, defeating Sammy Guevara.
0: Right, and this goes back to your point about how about we just avoid this obligatory 21 man, you know, bullshit match and just have one really good match instead. Right. Exactly. This is this is like this is basically the equivalent of like we want to include everyone to have their you know their WrestleMania you know paycheck or whatever, and that's kind of what this is, right?
1: Yeah, I guess. It... The, uh, the upside to it is that here we are complaining about people like Glacier and Billy Gunn and the fact that they don't need to be here. We should probably be celebrating a little bit stronger about the appearance of people like Orange Cassidy and Sunny Kiss and Jungle Boy and, hell, even Luchasaurus. And we're just not because... <sighs> The pay-per-view buying audience is not going to know who those people are. Sure. Now, the people that bought tickets and flew to Las Vegas for this show, yeah, they probably knew 98% of the people on this show. But that's – it's not – the ticket – being able to say that they sold out the house is important, but those fans are not important, not to AEW. The fans that are going to be important to AEW are WWE fans, Because Tony Khan can say all he wants to about WCW and ECW being his vision. Well, guess what? WCW and ECW went in 1994, 1995. They had to siphon off fans from WWE or WWF. And that's what AEW is going to have to do. And anyway... We're we're making the same argument just in 10 different ways, and and we will continue to. I think that AEW, for the rest of 2019, as far as the whole reference show is
0: concerned, is going to be equal parts celebrated and frustrating. Sure, absolutely. It'll be enjoyable for the reasons that it will be enjoyable but, you know, we are the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, so we're going to talk about the shit that doesn't work. And if you want to showcase these 21 people to a, a new audience, this is not how you do it. Because the most, 80% of the people involved in a battle royal don't look great <laughs> because they get thrown out of the fucking ring so the real wrestling can happen, so there's more room for real wrestling to happen. So th- that's, that's my big point. Moving on. Moving on, SoCal
1: Uncensored defeated the Stronghearts. Now, of course, SoCal Uncensored is Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky. The Stronghearts are Seema, T-Hawk, and L-Lindeman. And these guys come from OWE, which is Oriental Wrestling Entertainment. Is that right? Sure. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for that confident backup. (laughs) <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I think that's what it's called, is uh, Oriental Wrestling Entertainment. Uh, now, <laughs> to people that are paying close attention and are not racist, um, this is kind of a big deal because OWE is a Chinese company. Now, people are very – I guess if you're not that familiar – you're very used to seeing people of East Asian persuasion in pro wrestling. Those people have always been Japanese. Right. And so it's kind of a big deal that, first of all, China is operating multiple, apparently successful internally, um, wrestling organizations. That's cool for them. That just means they're diversifying their entertainment. There's culture. Okay, good for them. Uh, Also good for the international market of wrestling that now another country is entering uh, the big leagues of professional wrestling. And, of course, also good for AEW that while there has been this huge surge of Western popularity of Eastern wrestling, particularly New Japan Pro Wrestling, now AEW can maybe say, hey, yeah, but look at at this new Chinese wrestling. Uh, The problem is it's not there yet. Sure. It's not there yet. It's a little premature. It's a little premature. It's a little premature. And it's like WCW. When they brought in the great Muda and Jushin Thunder Liger, they were doing something. But when they brought in like six or eight other Japanese wrestlers – who didn't have recognizable gimmicks, who didn't have easily pronounceable names, and I'm talking about in the 80s here, it was premature. It didn't work. And I think AEW is making that same mistake. They're expecting a little too much about their audience
0: to be immediately embracing of things just because they're different. I, I agree with that, but uh, it's it's interesting that you mentioned that um, because if you go back to old WCW, and I mean like late 80s WCW, they mention New Japan Pro Wrestling so often. It's like the way ROH and New Japan are today. Like, you know, Mission sure, Hyatt has sure. like this New Japan report. You know, like um, Pillman's going over to Japan to fight Jushin Liger. Like, I mean, it's it's just crazy how often New Japan is brought up. And obviously, Great is around um, so it, it it's, it's kind of cool to go back and see that because that's like, well, that's like real wrestling. Fucking World Championship wrestling then and New Japan Pro wrestling, that's real wrestling, you know. It, WWF is a fucking cartoon in comparison to what's going on in WCW. And, um, not that WCW wasn't cartoonish in a lot of ways as well, but there's also a lot of really good wrestling there. And then, again, acknowledging New Japan is like, yeah, these other wrestling promotions. And we're, we're wrestlers, you know what I mean? We're not entertainers which obviously WWE would obviously emphasize the entertainment portion, but no, I agree. Uh, the 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 Chinese connection is not quite there yet. Uh, it's cool they're included though. Um, so and it is a good match, uh, especially with the uh, SoCal and Censored. These are all very good wrestlers. We've seen them time and time again. Uh, a lot of ROH people. I know you're not a huge fan of like Christopher Daniels. Uh, I know that, um, but he he still is a very talented wrestler, Darren. Uh, well, those are your words, not mine. Wow! Ouch. Um, so, anyway, it, it, it's a decent match. It's fine. It's a fine match. When when AEW debuts
1: on TNT, I'll watch this match on that show ten times out of ten, and I'll be perfectly okay with it. It's the fact that this is double or nothing. this was literally them saying, "Oh yeah, well here's here's WrestleMania. Here's here's our WrestleMania." And our WrestleMania is going to be full of people you've never heard of. Like, that's just not smart. It's
0: just not smart. They could have tried. No, no, you're right about that. They could have tried harder to maybe instead of like, oh, we got it. We got to put him in. Oh, we got to put him in. Oh, we got to put them in. Just going, just maybe put your best talent on the show and then work all your buddies in along the way. But this is your first outing. Let's get it right the first time. Let's blow the socks off, everyone. And people who aren't wearing socks, blow the socks onto them. Um, And thank you for laughing. That's harder to do. That's harder to do. (laughs) You'd be surprised. but
1: I I would be surprised. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, a fatal four-way match uh, between
0: Dr. Britt Baker. It's fatal four-way. Three of them die. Sorry, something about the way he said Fatal Four. It was like, I know they die. That's horrible thing to say. Fatal, obviously, being the key word there, folks. I, I apologize. Sure,
1: absolutely. Sure, sure. Dr. Britt Baker uh, defeated Nyla Rose, Smiley Kylie Ray, and returning, surprise, Awesome Kong. Thought that was pretty
0: cool, obviously. Uh, Introduced by Brandy Rhodes. But I'd say, yeah, people obviously. Brandy Rhodes kind of pulling a, a switcheroo, you think. You know, before the match begins, Brandi Rhodes comes out, people are thinking, oh, she's got to interject herself into this match. But no, uh, she throws in Awesome Kong, uh, which I think Awesome Kong kind of has, like, a bigger fan base than ever now because with Glow being so successful. um, So it's cool that she's back in wrestling and she kind of can get more fans on her side just because of the Glow connection now. Because she's fucking, we don't... We never talk about Glow. I think we always meant to talk about Glow, but never got around to it. She is phenomenal on that show. She's outstanding.
1: She, she is truly is. Who, yeah, who knew she was a great actress? Like, oh. she is oh, yeah. excellent on that show. But what's so weird is, like, when she's back in the Awesome Kong gear with the braids, you forget that she is that woman. Like, you forget that she's that actress now. Because she's a good because, actress. Because, like, and that she's a good actress, and that she is that character, you, you're like, oh, no, hell, that's Awesome Kong from TNA. Like, she is out here to destroy women.
0: And also, uh, yeah, speaking of that, they the commentary goes out of the way to put over Awesome Kong, the obvious size advantage she has, and how she's a monster. And you know what? That's what you do, because that is very obvious to the viewer's eyes. That she is a large woman, and because this is a combat sport, that is an advantage for that combatant.
1: Perry, um, are you are you alluding in any way
0: to how the commentators treat Nia Jack? No, no, Darren, I'm not saying when they announce wrestlers in the ring for title matches they don't say weights anymore because they don't want to mention the women's weights. On television. I'm not oh, saying dear
1: that. Oh dear God.
0: I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that's probably why they don't announce weights anymore. Even though it's a combat sport. Darren. <laughs> uh, this is a fun match though. It is a lot of fun.
1: It's not bad. Um, it's not bad. I was not particularly impressed with Nyla Rose. Um, i had never heard of her. She didn't do a lot for me on this night. Uh, Kylie Ray. Um, I have seen on the indie scene, and, and normally she does a lot for me. I'm, I'm, I'm I am a fan. Sure. On this night though, she doesn't really do a lot for me. This match didn't do a great
0: deal for me. I'm I thought, getting the thought that you that this match maybe didn't do a lot for you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: I, uh, I, I am a fan of Brett Baker, Kylie Ray, and Awesome Kong, but I needed this match to be better.
0: That's okay. That's fine. And again, like, I mean, it's hard to know who's going to work the best together at this point because there aren't really established, you know, feuds, rivalries, uh, gimmicks for the most part. We don't know what's happening with people. Like, maybe they should have started with television before a big show like this. Uh, again, this if this was going to be a sampler which it kind of feels like this is a sampler. Again, it needed to be a free show so people could uh, sample it without paying 40 bucks to do that.
1: That's true. That's very true. Sure. Um, okay, so next up, there's a tag team match between best friends, Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta. Chuck Taylor, friend of the
0: show. Friend of the show.
1: And uh, as they took on Angelico and Jack Evans. Ah. Uh, uh, okay, Angelico and Jack Evans, or as I referred to them, Motocross Racer and Backyard Wrestler. Wow. Wow. They um the two of them look like they stepped out of a Mountain Dew commercial from nineteen ninety nine. There was so much electric yellow pleather. In that ring, that I I
0: got physically ill. I was gonna say as soon as this match, as soon as everyone was in the ring, I immediately thought maybe not everyone wear neon green. How about that? Because everyone <laughs> is wearing neon green, and it, if you turn the lights out, you could have had a black light match, and they would have been like, yeah. it would have been Naomi's entrance, but four people fighting. Yeah, That's exact, exactly what it would have been. Yeah. So. Now, As far as, like, fans watching a a tag team match, I I always say, like, whatever tag teams wear similar colors, and it's just confusing as to who's, you know, who's doing what for the most part. Uh, Yeah, you you guys always need to coordinate gear before matches so everyone's not wearing the same fucking color because it gets confusing for your audience is all. Yeah. But these these, these two motocross troll dolls that you... uh, (laughs) that you're referring
1: to uh, i'm not familiar with these guys like i'm I probably hurt somebody's feelings when i said that they're they're i'm sure there's somebody's favorite wrestlers but like not mine <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow uh I, I won't be as harsh as darren uh i was just more more confused by the fact that everyone's wearing fucking no one wears neon yellow and all of a sudden everyone's wearing neon yellow uh but the match the match itself is fine but again, if this is to be your hey look at us show, why is this match on your show? It was a good match. All your matches need to be fucking great matches. And don't tell me you don't have the talent for that because you absolutely do. Well, best friends, they wrestled
1: a a they wrestled a style that I think is what AEW probably wants to market. Um, which is these guys—they are the new generation. They are still young, and they do take big risks, and they put and they you know they do dives and kickies and flippies. But they were (laughs) trained by the old school. Sure, if that makes sense. Whereas I feel like Angelico and Jack Evans—they're that sort of like you know we. And I could be very wrong. These guys could have been trained by the oldest of the old, and they could be old themselves. But they give off a vibe of that new, 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 new generation that, uh, again, right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm not judging who's right and who's wrong. I just don't think they're what AEW actually want. I don't think AEW really wants... Indie wrestling on their show,
0: sure. If it, they did, they wouldn't put Chris Jericho in their main event. Well, that's the thing: is they they have to get away from indie wrestling to be a company that's competing with the likes of WWE. By definition, they are no longer indie, right? Sure, exactly. And and
1: so I just think that this match reeks a little bit of indie on the side of Angelico and Jack Evans. Like, Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta, they bring that ROH, they bring that New Japan, and with Beretta particularly, they bring a WWE flavor to this show. Um, And I have to say that I've seen a lot of Chuck Taylor matches, and while this was not his best match, he did a lot of shit, man. Like he he busted his ass in this match. He he really put on a, a good show.
0: Chuck Taylor, he he likes to put himself down as far as his abilities go, but I mean I've seen him do shit. Like I've seen him moonsault off a fucking Powerade uh, vending machine. Like I mean he he will go out there and do stuff. Obviously, tacking with the uh, Beretta uh, is helping him along as well as far as like his athleticism and his aerial moves and stuff like that. He's becoming a he's becoming a fine wrestler. Uh, but it, it's the, the cool thing about Chuck Taylor is he never takes himself too seriously. But at the same time, you don't want to put yourself down because because you're going to make it actually you'll make people actually believe maybe you aren't a good wrestler if you say it enough.
1: Well, next up, we have a six woman tag match, and this is all Japanese. Hikaru Shida, Riho and Ryo Tsunami defeated Aja Kong, Yuka Sakazaki and Emi Sakura. And uh, this is another one that just didn't work for me.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna say I, I'm not gonna pretend I know about any one of this match because I really don't. I'm not gonna lie to you and be like, oh, of course. I've ever since the Match, uh, they're great. And jo- Joanne Jones is that her name? Uh, they're good wrestlers. Joanne Joe. But of course, if you're gonna have this big show that you want everyone to watch, so you can promote your show going here here forward, you know going forward again, you probably should have cut about 30% of the talent off of this show. Doesn't mean you can't have them on your regular weekly show, but maybe not on this big show going into the start of your company. Exactly. And this is one the of the matches per- that could have been, and this is one of the matches that could have easily been sacrificed. Uh, I would totally, yeah, this
1: match, I would, this would be the first match that I would have cut. Um, I don't know who any, I didn't know who anybody in this match was except for Aja Kong. And, uh, and I will say that my, my main takeaway was Yuka Sakazaki. Uh, she was the one that I was like, I'm going to keep my eye on her. Like she, she stood out among the bunch as somebody that seemed to be doing things in a different way. That was like, it was eye-catching. Um, and another thing, you want to talk about coordinating gear? Uh, another thing that uh, people don't like is when their moves get uh, ripped off. You see, like the the guy in the main event who's supposed to go over in the main event. If his finisher is a power bomb, then maybe not everybody do ten power bombs all night long. Right. Well, so coordinating gear, coordinating um, finishers, and also coordinating gimmicks. Because I think it was Emi Sakura. Uh, here that came out with the Freddie Mercury gimmick, uh, but Christopher Daniels had already done the Freddie Mercury gimmick about, <laughs> about 30 minutes earlier. I was like, "All right, guys, Bohemian Rhapsody." I mean, it was good,
0: but like, you can't all be Freddie Mercury. Well, you you know they both you know looked in the closet of wrestling gear and both had the same thought, which was, "Oh, I bet no one's gonna do this." And then they show up and they're both dressed the same. It's like that, that Spider-Man meme where it's two Spider-Mans and they're, they're pointing at each other. Yes. Uh. <laughs> Here's another
1: thing. And People aren't going to like this. People are not going to like to hear me say stuff like this. But guess what? If they don't do it, I won't say it. All I'm doing is calling it right down the middle because that's what we do here on the whole and Show. The only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. Here's the deal. Both of them don't go out as Freddie Mercury 30 minutes apart if there is a singular entity or a cohesive unit running the show. So what does that tell you? That's not what's happening backstage, or this would have never happened. Say what you want about Vince McMahon, and we do, and many people do, and rightfully so, but guess what? Seth Rollins and Lars Sullivan are not gonna both come out with a Freddie Mercury
0: gimmick at Super Showdown. <laughs> I hope I hope all 50 combatants in the Battle Royal are dressed up as Freddie Mercury. It'll be like recreating that um what was I I'm playing No Mercy and I put everyone in the Big Boss Man police outfit and did a did a Royal Rumble with everyone coming out as Big Boss Man. Oh, my God. I want to book that match. I need to book that match. Anyway, uh, no, I totally agree with you. And actually, I talked to Rich about that before, Rich Bokini, about that, um, who worked for WWE, for those who don't know, and NXT, and said, like, is there ever, like, do they do they kind of go out of their way to make sure people don't repeat, uh, like, I guess, spots for the most part? Like, he's like, yeah, if, if someone's going to go through a table or, like, get hit with a chair they're going to tell everyone else who has a match that night, like stay away from chairs, stay away from tables. Cause that's definitely happening in this match. You know, like these two are going into the crowd later. So it's not, you guys are in the crowd either because that'll take away from them doing that. So there is that, there, there, there
1: is that, there is that
0: safety guard. Yes.
1: Yeah, we absolutely. And WWE is very good about that. All the things they're not good about. They're very good about that. WCW, Famously was bad about that There was too many cooks in the kitchen So to speak And The fact that you have two different people Coming out with a Freddie Mercury gimmick On your first ever pay-per-view Says to me uh, There's not one person in charge These people must be listening to Cody These people are listening to the Bucks These people are listening to Tony Khan And then whoever else is backstage We know that Dean Malenko is working for them I'm pretty sure Arn Anderson's working for them. Uh, You know, like, who's calling the shots? There's got to be somebody who's protecting the product that way. But anyway. Absolutely. Next next up is the match that probably was the match of the night, and that is Cody versus Dustin. Uh, These are the Rhodes brothers, the sons of Dusty Rhodes, uh, and they're going one-on-one properly for the first time First time ever,
0: right? First time ever. Make sure you say ever, otherwise people won't understand the meaning of first time. Uh, no, that this—I don't have a lot of bad things to say about this match. If anything bad to say about this match, well, I, I do have one complaint. But um, it is great just to see them in the ring together, and people started chanting Dusty, and like you can tell, like Cody Rhodes got like legit emotional for a second there before they started wrestling. Uh, if I could change one thing about the match, it would be that a lot of the wrestling wasn't there because Dustin Rhodes had to have blood in his eyes for most of the match and, like, you know, couldn't, quote, couldn't see Cody. So it took away from some of the the actual, like, wrestling of the match itself. Uh, But beyond that, like, I mean, the storytelling was on point. It's two brothers fighting. Uh, I, I will have to call this out and say, like, hmm, Cody Rhodes books two shows. On one show, he wins the NWA championship, on the second one, he beats his older brother. Hmm. But anyway, uh, I just want to point that, <laughs> out. point that out very quickly. But I know the match was great. Uh, Cody Rhodes does go over on Dustin uh, uh, after at the end of this match. And uh, the, the promo, everyone talks about the promo afterward, where Cody Rhodes mentions that on the next show, the contract states he's supposed to fight the Young Bucks With a partner of his choosing. And he says. But I don't need a partner. And I immediately knew where he was going with it. So I was kind of like. Oh I need a brother. But when he says. I need my older brother. And his voice cracks. When he says it. It was just like. Oh. Just. Stabbed me right in the fucking heart. And Like I'm getting like goosebumps thinking about that. Because. The fucking Rhodes family man. The fucking Rhodes family. Like that is wrestling. You know what I mean. So this match Absolutely. means a lot. This match means a lot. And when it goes to the commentary team, because it cuts to them, you know, all standing there talking about what's going on, they're all fucking crying. Fucking Jim Ross, who should be a cynical asshole by now because he has seen it all. You know what I mean? How yeah. could you make him cry about wrestling now in the year 2019 and he's like weeping? And man, it like, because that's, that's a big moment. Not, not, and they hug, of course, at the end of the match. And, like, all the feeling was there. I was very worried for Dustin Rhodes because he would not stop bleeding. He bled so much. And I was actually scared that he was going to pass out at some point.
1: Yeah, he, he absolutely was. He was a gusher. He really was. Uh, that was a lot of blood. But um, I liked everything about it. Um, you're right that the the wrestling itself... Suffered in the second half because Dustin couldn't see through his own blood. Sure. But I liked the matchup. I liked that Dustin wore a version uh, of the gold dust gear because any way you slice it, he made his career as gold dust. Sure. Um, I honestly believe had he put on those red leather pants and a sleeveless black button-up and a bolo tie with no makeup. And it was just the natural Dustin Rhodes. I'm sure somebody would have gotten kick out of that. But, like, I, what he chose to do was much better. Sure, go by Dustin Rhodes. That's fine. Sure. Only paint half your face. That's fine. Um, I like the fact that the, 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 the get-up was sleeveless. That worked very well. So everything about it worked. The crowd chanting Dusty. Dustin pointing to the sky. Uh, at the end with Cody's voice breaking like you mentioned um boy this was this was really special oh not and let's not forget the fact that of course Cody has brandy out there at his side and he smashes triple h's throne on his way to the ring with a sledgehammer yep and um you know he he was supposedly putting an end to to Dustin's career, uh, or at least what it was, because he had sworn to kill the Attitude Era. And uh, there was just so much. There was so much important stuff for people our age, for people uh, even a little bit older than us and people a little bit younger than us. It's very important for the 20-somethings to the 50-somethings that uh, so much symbolism was here.
0: Sure, sure. Uh, like I said, it, it it meant a lot, and there was obviously a lot going on. And if you didn't know way too much about wrestling, you probably would have missed half of the significance of the match. You know, I mean, what if you're someone just tuning in who got into wrestling recently? You wouldn't. You would be like, okay, are, are they brothers? like like that's kind of it.
1: Right their brothers okay.
0: Yeah, another thing is Brandy Rhodes, uh we you mentioned Brandy Rhodes. She was there for the first maybe 10% of the match and she kind of she throws water in the face of Dustin Rhodes and she is ejected from the match where DDP puts DDP comes out and puts her on his shoulder and kind of walks off with her and she's like, you know, pitching a fit or whatever. For someone who's like very high up in the food chain of AEW, maybe that's not how you remove her from the match it makes her look like she is a child when she's supposed to be this very confident you know what I mean like uh, in charge yeah. woman You, there probably should have been a better way to do that because that was kind of like comical and this match was anything but comical you know what I mean Oh
1: absolutely.
0: That's the only thing I would change about that particular part, but beyond that, like I said, everything else was great. The wrestling that actually did take place was actually very, very well done. I mentioned that going into AEW's double or nothing, that you know, Dustin Rhodes can still go. And he did. He still he still went.
1: Oh yeah. No, there is no doubt about that. Dustin Rhodes uh can still go. And I'm very excited about the fact that I will get to be there in person. Or uh, fight for the fallen when we see Cody and Dustin take on the Young Bucks. Sure. And speaking of the Young Bucks, they are in the penultimate match of the evening. They are the they enter the match as the reigning AAA World Tag Team Champions, and they take on the Lucha Brothers, known as Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix. And uh, I definitely like that. That's what they're going by. So they should go by Pentagon Jr. and Ray Famous I know Pentagon has had, had to go by Like 10 different names Over the last 2 or 3 years uh, Somehow he survived it um, <laughs> Hopefully he will Stick with the, the Pentagon Jr. Moniker Because it works the best I think um, I am such a big fan Of both of these tag teams um, I was a big fan Of Pentagon Jr. as a singles wrestler I loved him in Lucha Underground. I really loved him uh, with his feud with Vampiro. Um, But now everything he's done in MLW and everything that he's done in Impact, and now here he is in AEW with his real-life brother, Ray Phoenix, taking on the real-life brothers, the Jackson brothers, Young Bucks.
0: This was a great match. Sure. There's not really a lot to say about this match beyond it's as good as you think it would be, right? Yep. Sure. Yes. It's as good as you
1: think it would be They All four of these guys can fly They can brawl They're in, innovative, they're inventive And uh, the Young Bucks retain the belts Did not see that coming though I really thought that because the belts Were on the line that And they're AAA So it's not like they're AEW tag belts I thought it was interesting That the AAA tag belts stayed on the Young Bucks So that was one thing that was surprising And that leaves us with only the main event left, a singles match for the other slot in the inaugural AEW World Championship match, which is to come at a uh, a to-be-determined time. And this match is Chris Jericho against Kenny Omega. Now, um, (laughs) Chris Jericho, buddy... Uh, guy, friend and everything else that the uh, Canadians from South Park call people Um, (laughs) What are you doing? What are you doing, Chris Jericho? Remember how you used to uh, shovel shit down Hulk Hogan's throat for uh, (laughs) taking the paycheck and taking the main event away from the young hungry guys and Serving yourself and all of that, you're doing it. You're
0: doing it. You're doing it, Chris Jericho. You're doing it. Well, I have never once on this show made any comparisons between Chris Jericho and Hulk Hogan, Darren. You know that I would never do that. I will say that it's kind of funny because... (laughs) Here's an older guy, past his prime, probably not worth the money, with a lazy fucking finishing maneuver. The Judas Elbow is a joke, and it makes Hogan's leg drop look like a goddamn 450. Um, (laughs) At least a leg drop is a wrestling maneuver. The Judas Elbow is just a, a spasm- or you accidentally knock out your opponent, uh, not saying that's what happens. <laughs> uh, so the Hogan comparisons uh, they keep they keep adding up. Uh, maybe for your big AEW first show, maybe your main event shouldn't be a return match from a New Japan show. Uh, maybe that I, I yeah. will say, and I will say that this match is way better than their first match. Um, I I will also say that as well as far as like wrestling because the first match was good it was more of a fight than a wrestling match it was more of a brawl this one's actually more of a wrestling match Um, and the fact that I will go ahead and say it Jericho goes over on Kenny Omega is also a misstep and if he wins the belt then I don't have to make Hogan comparisons anymore he will have become the new Hulk Hogan. He will, and he will deserve every bit of criticism that is coming
1: his way. Sure, because he will not only deserve the criticism as it stands for the action itself, he will also have to reap the criticism that uh, of hypocrisy
0: that he has sown. Well, not just him. AEW, if they put I the never- old, if they put the old WWF former champion over the new hungry talent guy, then you are just as bad as everything that has happened in the last 30 plus years. You're nothing new. You're just another wrestling company. And that's the
1: difference between Double or Nothing and All In, is All In really, truly felt like something different and special. It was independent, not indie, not, you know, not air quotes around I-N-D-Y not indie but independent and it was going back to what you said which was the spirit of 2018 which I don't know if 2019 is living up to the legacy the spirit of 2018 which is cooperation sure. where you had AAA and ROH and New Japan and all the various indies that supported people like Joey Janella etc all of a sudden you put them all on a single stage AEW it, what it's not you're not doing that man sure, sure. you're already not doing it is that by design if it is then I, i'm a little afraid uh, if this was incidental coincidental or accidental then okay, but I don't think you make that many accidents your first time out of the gate with somebody else's millions. Just
0: saying. Right. Uh, but I, th- I think the second most talked about uh, event or happening or spot, I should say, uh, happens at the end of this match where Kenny Omega is defeated by Chris Jericho's... Uh, lack of a finisher i will say judas, <laughs> the judas Elpo, um by and, his turnaround next to you yeah yeah exactly uh john moxley which we handed out earlier in the episode you may recall that from two hours ago uh john moxley makes his aew debut well i guess it's everyone's aew debut uh <laughs> <laughs> technically And yeah, he comes through the crowd and jumps in there, hits uh, old Jericho with the Dirty Deeds, the double arm DDT, and uh, the referee as well, I believe, and uh, tries to hit Omega with it. Omega squirms away, and they go fighting into the audience, and they find themselves on top of some giant set pieces that are giant poker chips, and uh, Dirty Deeds onto the poker chips. And uh, John Moxley uh, is is there there to stay for as long as AEW's around. I guess I don't know. Uh, so that was cool. Yeah, he threw uh,
1: Kenny Omega off of the top of the poker chi- stack of poker chips, uh, and whatever he landed on, they made it. They made it look awesome. Sure, sure. Uh, it did. You know, WWE again the way that they the way that they perfect things. But they perfect them in such a way as they're immediately recognizable and predictable. And so they're less believable. Whatever the hell Omega landed on, I'm sure it was just as safe and just as rehearsed and protected as anything WWE would do. But it looked different. And so your mind tells you it is different. Maybe it's real, even though you know it's not.
0: And it just makes the spot better. Sure, 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 sure. So that's uh, Double or Nothing. Uh, It was a good show, but I I think they really need to make some changes already to make it something different from WWE or, you know, to, to break the wheel, as Danny always said on Game of Thrones, which I did finish, folks. I did finish. But because uh, <laughs> it does Well you see what you see what breaking the wheel did for old
1: Danny, don't you know? Whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. Some people may not have seen the show, Darren. Uh she gets double arm DDT'd by Dean Ambrose is what happens, uh, John Moxley. Anyway, um so find a way to watch it, maybe, I guess. There's definitely some hi- there's highlights all over YouTube, folks. Check it out if you haven't seen it yet. And uh that's that. Well, I do look forward to see what direction the company takes and uh, all we know for certain is that Young Bucks versus the Roads will be a lot of uh, a lot of fun. Can't wait to watch that, and uh, Hangman Page against Jericho. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> hopefully, Hangman Page wins that match. Yeah,
1: fingers crossed. I mean, I think Hang. I think God, Hangman Page as the
0: first ever AEW World Champion. That is a statement. That's a step in the right direction for sure. Um, so. Uh, We'll we'll wait, we'll reserve judgment until uh, the next AEW show, but oh, we'll judge the hell out of it, folks. So no, it it was a good show. We seemed overly critical, but it's kind of like, I don't know, it's, it's you open up a new business and you want to bring someone in to kind of be like, yeah, maybe not this, don't do things like that. Well, you know, do you want that? Are you sure about that? So that's just kind of what we're doing. We're calling it down the middle. That's what we tend to do, but that is AEW for you, folks. NXT! NXT had their 25th TakeOver, free of any WWE Network exclusive. This was only NXT having a special something uh, this past weekend. Darren, you and I, we watched it. Not together. But we're going to talk about it. Here's our review of NXT TakeOver XXV25. Hey guys, this is El Serpentigo, and you're listening to the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle... The whole and show
1: NXT takeover 25 oh my god there's been 25 takeovers that's pretty cool they're catch up Wrestlemania Darren <laughs> they really are uh, the, the only thing is they get 4 or 5 or even more uh, every year as opposed to Wrestlemania which only gets 1 uh, and also Wrestlemania uh, I think 30 was the last that they counted anyway Sure, sure. Now it's just so they emoticons. really are about to catch up. Yeah, they yeah, really yeah. are about to
0: catch up. It's true.
1: I will say the one thing that I do like is that some of the merch, every year some of the merch still has the number on it. So the company isn't abandoning the numbering system completely.
0: Right, the, the numbers are typically hidden like Da Vinci uh, paintings, <laughs> but yes. But take over 25, the NXT, the
1: gold and black brand... Or golden, or yellow and black, or whatever you want to call it, they uh, they brought you Takeover 25 from the Webster Bank Arena in Bridgeport, Connecticut, right there in the w in the heart of WWE territory. And uh, the first thing that 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 really uh, really captured my attention, other than Tommaso Ciampa's appearance on the pre show, which was pretty cool. Uh, not only because he had the baddest-ass camo shirt I've ever seen before oh. on, but uh, it was just good to see him. And boy, that dude was bursting at the seams to get back to wrestling. So
0: Well, it wasn't very effective camouflage if you saw it, first of all. That's
1: hilarious. Um... <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying camouflage has a practical use, Darren. And if you can see it, it's not working right. That's all I'm saying. You're not wrong. You're not at all
1: wrong. But the thing that captured me earliest in the show was Nigel McGuinness saying, welcome, at the, at, the, at the top of the show, welcome to all of you who are watching here at NXT TakeOver 25. NXT, the true alternative in sports entertainment. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And they laid it on thick this This took place one week after aew's double or nothing. and NXT via the WWE made it very clear that Aew was already uh, a day late and a dollar short because NXT has the very best in professional wrestling, even if they were even if they were unwilling to say those words. Well, you want to know what I think? Would
0: you like to know what I think? I would. Or hashtag your listeners would as well.
1: Regardless of what Nigel McGinnis said, because uh, I am not easily brainwashed in my old age, if I were to stack up TakeOver 25 against Double or Nothing, I would indubitably say that NXT was the true alternative in sports entertainment. Because TakeOver 25 was the best wrestling show I've seen in a very long time. Wow. it was far superior to Double or Nothing.
0: I was going to say I was not terribly impressed by NXT TakeOver 25. Wow. For it to be this big deal that it's the 25th TakeOver, it's, like I said before, it's NXT TakeOver on its own with no pay-per-view for WWE or network exclusive, it was just an okay takeover. You should have added an extra hour. You should have brought in a lot of, like, former NXT people for some just really cool exhibition stuff. There was the one exhibition match with Tyler Breeze and Velvet and Dream, which we'll talk about later on. But beyond that, there were a lot of uh, stuff I wasn't terribly, you know, impressed by. Um, okay. You know, I, I hear you. Okay. Well we'll, well, we'll take it as we go. We'll take it as we go here. Let's go ahead and start the
1: show. Uh, it starts off with Roderick Strong representing the Undisputed Era taking on the original bro, Matt Riddle. <clears throat> I, I know we said we'd take it as we go, but let me back up for just a second. <laughs> In the main event. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, this ties right into Roddy Strong and Matt Riddle's match, is why I want to say it right now. You're right. For this to be a standalone show, for this to be 25, it gets a it gets a Roman numeral distinction. Not a city name, not a catchphrase. Uh, it's not linked to a WWE mega show. Uh, it's not an Orlando. Um, and it is sort of a response to AEW. You're right. It should, the first thing they should have done is it should have been a three-hour show, not a two-hour show. That way you could spotlight more of the current. Sure. Secondly, maybe you give them a WWE main roster caliber size set. We've seen them do it before, so why the, uh, the sort of downsized set? Was that supposed to be more AEW-like? Was it deliberate in that aspect? Or, if not, what, what was the deal? They maybe should have had some backstage segments. They maybe should have had more people in the crowd. Uh, Former NXT champions there Um, Some back padding With Triple H and William Regal
0: maybe Um, You're right You're right For it to be a special occasion There wasn't anything terribly special about it Absolutely
1: All I was doing there was bolstering your point You're absolutely right I'm not going to say now You're right, guess what, you're wrong I'm not going to say that I'm going to say you are right However What they did do Whether it was good or bad, um, what they did do was they stayed the course. They presented with TakeOver 25 what they've been presenting this whole time, which is not just an alternative, not just the quote-unquote true alternative in sports entertainment, but regardless of AEW, NXT uh, is an alternative to Raw and SmackDown. It is a glimpse into developmental. It is a well-funded and highly produced minor league. And that's what this show was. It is major league wrestling on a minor league circuit. No, 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 no. no, no. MLW is
0: major league wrestling, Darren.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. But this is big-time talent on a small circuit with high production value, and that's how and where it shines. What NXT always lets happen is it lets wrestling happen. That is what AEW Double or Nothing lacked, that All In had in spades to use to continue the extended card-playing metaphor from Double or Nothing. (laughs) What all had in spades was excellent matches. Amazing wrestling. Double or nothing. Didn't have that. Takeover 25 had that. Every one of these matches was top notch. As a matter of fact, if Roddy strong versus Matt Riddle had been the only match, the only match, I would have said that it was superior
0: to double or nothing. Wow. That's how this match was. Well, 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 outstanding. Sure. Sure. Well, I mean, uh, not enough attention given to the the specialness of the show aside, uh, the matches will always be good because the talent is so good. Uh, so yeah, uh, Roderick Strong here, I think people forget how good of a wrestler he is. Because as far as Undisputed Era, he's like the the least interesting member of Undisputed Era, but he's still, Roderick Strong is still a, a phenomenal wrestler. He's kind of like Dave Grohl when Dave Grohl was Nirvana. I used to refer to him as the least interesting member of Nirvana. Um, but that being said, no, this match is great. And if if not for Velveteen Dream and Matt Riddle's uh match being very, very good, I would say this is Matt Riddle's most impressive outing. Um it's probably not as good as a Velveteen Dream match, but it's still a great, great match, and a good a nice reminder of how good of a wrestler Roderick Strong is.
1: Absolutely. I'm going to say this is a superior match, uh, in my opinion. Matt Riddle versus Roderick Strong is is right now, and I know we don't do this, and maybe we should do this, since it would only require us doing it once a year, but uh, uh, unofficially, this is my current match of the year, number one match of the year contender. Wow, wow. So, I mean, for, for, for starters, we don't have any Omega Okada matches to worry about. So <laughs> yeah, uh, those are kind in of done end, now, yeah. In the absence of Omega Okada, I can't imagine seeing anything that would be more entertaining than this Roderick Strong-Matt Riddle match. It is it is lengthy like a marathon, uh, and yet it is nonstop high-paced. It never slows down. You can't sprint a marathon. Well, Roderick Strong and Matt Riddle say, fuck you, you can't sprint a marathon. Watch. And that's exactly what they did. The And... Uh, I mean, this was borderline strong style. Knee strikes. Roderick strong style. St- standing punch exchanges. The the showcase of Matt Riddle's strength. Uh, a, a German suplex powerbomb. Uh, attempts for Matt Riddle to go to the air. Uh, even though one of them was a big time fail. Uh, with that spinning top rope moonsault where he lands on Roddy's knees. Um, still. Uh, an absolutely incredible match. And Matt Riddle wins. Um, do you do you know what his finisher is called? Not the bro mission. Uh, I, no, whatever it was, whatever he won with this match, um, it, it's like he sets it up like, oh, at first it's going to be a tombstone. And then, oh, no, is this a, a reverse Michinoku drive? No, it's a Styles Clash. So it's like... What what am I looking at?
0: Yeah, like he, he he sets him up and you think, "Oh, it's this one simple move." Oh no, now his arm is hooked this way, so now it's this. Oh no, but he's falling this way, so now it's something else. So it's like, yeah, it's three moves in one. It's uh it's it's those rare transformers that could be three things. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I <don't... laughs> Absolutely. Uh I don't like I don't like uh the styles clash though. I don't like I think DDP did something similar, but it was called the pancake or the flatjack. Or uh, I don't. It doesn't look like it doesn't look that impressive. It just looks like oh, I dropped you and then I fell on you.
0: It, it looks very uh, unique. I, I know that a lot of wrestlers. We had James Ellsworth on the show. It seems like forever ago, and we talked about how when he took a Styles clash, it almost like injured him horribly. Because in wrestling, you're you're taught time and time again to always tuck your chin. Styles Clash is one of the rare exceptions where you do the opposite. You do not <laughs> tuck your chin because you'll like break your neck, basically. Because you'll fold, you basically fold your head under yourself and land on top of your head. Uh, that's the one where you going to pull your chin away from your um, body as much as you can. Um, so, I, I South Clash is fine. It, it's, it's unique to him because only he really does it. But I feel like, uh, you mentioned earlier the knee strikes. I feel like everyone does a running knee in NXT. Is that me? Because no. running, running knees always look super painful. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah, I feel like everyone does one now. Let, let you know, well, we'll talk about the main event later, but the Gargano Adam Cole match was like, oh my God, so many running knees. Yeah. <laughs> They, they do it a lot, but,
1: I mean, I, I'm not critical of that. I know that there are wrestling. There are people that are very critical, very, very critical of that. In there wrestling. are critical but
0: people I, in wrestling, Darren, as we, uh, as we not, criticize wrestling.
1: Sure. But when I see that, when I see stuff like series of running knees or exchange of running knees or that sort of thing, I always say hashtag if wrestling were real. You go with what's effective. You go uh, for the kill shot. Like, uh, you know, that's something that if, it, you know, you can knock someone out with that. Like Sure, sure. I don't, I don't mind that. I don't mind seeing repetition in wrestling. Um, but uh,
0: well, well, within of, the match. Within the match. No, I, I agree with that. We're talking about uh, leg Uh, leg strikes. I will say that's one thing that I don't like about Matt Riddle, is I hate when people throw a punch or attempt a clothesline that is supposed to be ducked, so it looks like half effort is kind of put into it. That makes it look super fucking fake and very choreographed. Matt Riddle on a couple of occasions during this match goes for like a knee or maybe a kick but knows it's supposed to be avoided, basically. So, like, it's a half-assed kick, and it just looks like... I think Marwanalo even kind of covers for it and says, like, oh, just, you know, exhausted Matt Riddle, just can't quite... You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the, the, the force wasn't quite behind it because he's just exhausted right now. You know, uh, Marwanalo, by the way, was firing on all cylinders on this night. Yeah, if if anything was. made this night special, it was Marwanalo. And I actually liked the inclusion of Beth Phoenix I thought, I think Beth Phoenix works a lot better when Renee is not with her, because they sound so similar. So when they you, do. yeah, when you have Beth Phoenix on with Mauro Allo, which by the way, Beth Phoenix catching all of Maro's nods to movies and TV shows, he even says, he even says like uh, so-and-so, I forget who he's talking about, so-and-so rising like the Phoenix. And Beth Phoenix immediately says like, well, I appreciate that Mauro, but, and I don't think he even meant to do that. He was just saying rises like the Phoenix and Beth Phoenix says, well, I appreciate that Mara, but you know what? Like, <laughs> like it was like, this is nice. This is, this is a nice little thing we got going on. You know, Nigel, why oh. don't you, why don't you go get a soda Nigel and let these two go. Oh. I mean, well, no, because if I had, if I had my, you know, if I had my way, it would just be Joey Styles style, him by himself calling all NXT. Cause I, I just want to hear, I just want to hear. Yeah. I, I want to hear, oh, okay. like, like Joey Styles, when he would call ECW sure. matches all by himself, I want Mauro all by himself, you know, because I just love hearing him do commentary, uh, but I thought him and Beth Phoenix worked really well together, and, and Nigel's fine, but I, I, it sometimes seems like, we said it before about Nigel McGuinness. it seems like he doesn't want to be there sometimes, uh, and, yeah. unless he's talking about UK talent, then he's all about it in that case, that is literally his arena, so anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, Beth Phoenix, I wasn't too sure about her being there, but uh, she
0: was great, and she, she's uh, way better than Percy Watson. Sure. No. Well, yeah, I, I, no. I, will, I, I will. I will agree with that. Percy got better, but they basically cut him off right when he was starting to get better. It seems, but. Uh, the only thing going against Beth Phoenix in this case is she doesn't know what the finishers are. She doesn't know the brand as well as everyone else does, and that was kind of clear. But beyond that, she did great, I thought. Yeah, that'll come in time. Sure. Uh,
1: next is the uh four-way tag team match, ladder match, or the vacant NXT titles, which were given up by a team that is something something Vikings. <laughs> The TBA Vikings. Yeah, yeah, the TBA Vikings. Formerly known as War Machine. Oh, I know who they uh, are, sure. And now they're on Raw or SmackDown. And <laughs> they, and I'm sure they're doing nothing. And uh, so anyway, uh, with them relinquishing their belts, the vacant titles are hung above the ring and tons of ladders are, are put around the ring and four teams are given an opportunity to climb ladders and become the new NXT Tag Team Champions. Who are those four teams? Well, the Street Profits, the Forgotten Sons, Oni Lorkin and Danny Birch, and representing the Undisputed Era, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. Now, the Street Profits, as we know, are Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford, and the Forgotten Sons on this night are represented by.
0: Steve Cutler and Wesley Blake. (laughs) Sorry, just uh, thinking about the Forgotten Sons, uh, there's so many jokes to say about the Forgotten Sons, right? First of all, that name sounds cool when you say it, but it's kind of like, oh yeah, you literally forget about these guys because they don't make a big impact uh, in the world of uh, wrestling at this point. We don't talk about Forgotten Sons very often beyond calling them, I believe you said, uh, bikers without bikes, because that's kind of what it is. It totally is the Sons of Anarchy gimmick that they have. Um, It's the two of them and and Jackson Riker. Um, I think it's a huge misstep to make them all look identical because that's what you did, and now, like, even I don't know who is who sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) um i I think actually it's remarkable the extent to which they made them identical really they they kind of like muddied all of them up as far as like okay everyone just grow your hair out and just have a beard you don't give a shit about um because like cutler is a redhead but you don't know that anymore like he's just he's just dark now and and wesley blake (laughs) is a blonde but no he's just dark now and yeah, so they all look identical. I, I would have let them keep a little bit of uh, individuality. So I, I think that's a bad thing about this. But, hey, this is Steve Cutler's first takeover, as we mentioned long ago. Uh, so good on him. We talk about people who just are in, you know, house show hell. But he's been on television that this Forgotten Sons thing is working for him. Uh, but now here he is on takeover. So I guess good on him. Joke's on us, Darren. yeah. <laughs> The
1: match itself, it. how many times has this been said, and Maro says it, but I'm going to say it too, this really was a human demolition derby. Yeah. Uh, more so than a lot of matches like it in recent memory, this one really is that. It's outrageous. The latter action is particularly brutal. Yeah. Um, the latter action is far less acrobatic and and choreographed than what we're seeing in like money in the bank matches these days um it's more it's more like incidental and practical like far too often these days we see somebody who's like oh i'm not even gonna go after the belts i'm gonna spend the next three or four minutes um, organizing some weird-ass ladder-based Rube Goldberg machine. Right. And, and then, okay, yeah, it's nice to see it all fall, you know, all the dominoes fall or whatever, but... When the man gets kicked into the pan by the boot, Darren. <laughs> mousetrap. And then the, ba- and then the basket... The, the basket well, yes, it's Mousetrap. It's Mousetrap. Uh, <laughs> it's the craziest game you'll ever see. <laughs> but... Is that a fight? Is that a is that a ladder match? Is that a scramble to grab a prize? No, it isn't. Um, but this one was. This match really seemed that way. Um, there were lots of. I will say one thing that was interesting about the acrobatics that were in this match is that there were lots of almost too short, high risk uh, dives. Yeah. Um several of them. And I was like, that person's about to die. Oh well, they saved themselves. Except for Montez Ford. Uh that dude is a high flyer, like on the next level.
0: Yeah, now we've we knew that from the uh, like I said, us I going to way too many NXT house shows when Montez Ford first appeared in the house shows, like it was pretty clear from the start that this guy is super athletic. And I'm Yeah, and since those days, Montez Ford has easily put on about 20 pounds of muscle because his only problem was that he was way too skinny, but he's put that on. Angelo Dawkins, who maybe was a little heavier, he's cut about 20 pounds. I guess he gave it to Montez um, (laughs) because Angelo looks the best he's ever looked and Montez looks the best he ever looked. So as far as them being given this um, this, this takeover slot, they've earned it. They put the work in for sure. No,
1: they most definitely have, and I'm not saying that Montez Ford can do like what Ricochet does, but just in terms of like his long jump and his high jump, like his vertical leap, like it's that, it's that kind of stuff. Well, um, that that
0: that Doomsday Device blockbuster happens that Montez oh, Ford uh, does, and I was just like, oh, that's insane. What am I watching? That's crazy.
1: That wasn't. That was insane. And that was not too far from what I considered a brilliant ending of the match uh, when Dawkins spears uh, Steve Cutler through the ladder or like underneath the ladder, uh, which allows Montez Ford to then leap from the top rope onto the ladder in the middle of the ring and get rid of Wesley Blake so he can climb up and grab the belt for the Street Profits.
0: Yeah, we didn't do a proper head-to-head for this event, but I actually would have chosen the Street Profits to win the match because I I thought that if ever these guys were going to be champion, it would be in a confusing anyone-could-win match like this because I think a lot of people assumed Undisputed Era would come in here and and steal this match away. Um, I think everyone's pretty much at a consensus, which basically was anyone but the Forgotten Sons (laughs) <laughs> uh, could I could win this match. And if I could fix this match, I probably would have said, hmm, let's see. Forgotten Sons, you're out of the match. Okay? Viking people, whoever you were, how about you're in it because you're still the NXT Tag Champions and you just don't win the ladder match, which is fine in a fatal four-way ladder match. It doesn't make you look weak if someone else climbed the ladder you know, before you could. I also didn't like when Riker... From the Forgotten Sons came in and interfered for way too long. Because, you know, Marwin goes, well, it is, you know, no disqualification. So Riker's here to help out his teammates. And it's kind of like, hmm, does anyone else in this match have some buddies in a faction that could help them win these championship belts? Where the fuck is Adam Cole? Where the fuck is Roderick Strong to help out the most cheatinest, factionist people in NXT right now. So that was kind of like a, well, if wrestling were real, where's the rest of Undisputed Era to help Undisputed Era?
1: I hear you, man. That is absolutely right. Um, I, I, I'm happy that the Street Profits are the winners here. Sure. Um, uh, no reason for the Undisputed Era to have those, ba- those belts back right now. Uh, Oni Lorkin and Danny Birch. I mean... You would, one could say when will their time come, but I mean, the Street Profits have been a tag team longer than Birch and Lorcan, and Angelo Dawkins, bless his heart, has been a developmental. <laughs> I mean, I honestly think he's, he might
0: be FCW. Wow. Like he, he might predate NXT. Sure, sure. Well, we talk about again all the people that have been around forever. Angelo Dawkins, one of those guys that's been around forever, and again, something that's clicking for him and it works, and people are into it. Um, and like I said, they work really well as a tag team. Um, so no, I'm 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 exactly exactly with what you said. I don't think anyone necessarily wanted to see Fish and O'Reilly walk away as like three time tag champions. There's nothing exciting about that. Um, Street Profits going over is kind of like, oh, that's cool. Uh, No one would have forgotten Sons to win. And, uh, you know, Birch and Lorcan, it would have been fine if they won, but not as exciting. So it was was cool. I liked it.
1: Me too. Next up, the North American Championship is on the line as your champion, the Velveteen, D-R-E-A-M Dream, takes on Prince Pretty, the returning Tyler Breeze coming back to NXT, coming home to NXT to claim a championship that didn't exist when he left, claiming a championship that he never held because he never held any championship in NXT. (laughs) Tyler Breeze is coming home to do. And uh, wow, between uh, the uh, Purple Prince of Pugilism and Prince Pretty, uh, it's a ra- It's quite a bout of royalty.
0: It really is, yeah. Um, and so not only for a, a cool-looking belt, but perhaps even a throne. Sure, sure. Um, earlier, I dog-eared. If you may recall, Almas and Finn Balor. Here's where I make my point. Uh, like you said earlier, this would be match of the year contender if it happened at NXT. And whenever, like, NXT call-ups come to WWE and the casual fan looks at him and they're not impressed because, for whatever reason, the wrestling just can't be as good as you know it's supposed to be on WWE television, that's just a fact. Um, people always say, oh, no, 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 go back and watch this match in NXT and you'll understand why Sami Zayn is so good, why Shinsuke Nakamura is so good. Um, this is kind of like a reversal of that, where if anyone saw Tyler Breeze wrestling in WWE they wouldn't give a shit about him wrestling in NXT but I no, no, here's why you should have given a shit about him in WWE because this is what he's capable of and what he's obviously still capable of here's some fighting Velveteen Dream this match is great this match is really really good and I like the fact that it's NXT of old meets NXT of new um and it's 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 Tyler Breeze puts it back on like a like an old glove that's laying around, and he comes back, and he's the selfie king that he was before. Um, and the, like I said, the wrestling is uh, top-notch, and uh, it's it's very well done. There's nothing really bad to say about this match.
1: No, the commentary team do an excellent job of what you said uh, in terms of making it the NXT of old versus the NXT of new. Uh, Tyler Breeze looks amazing with brand-new all-black gear and his new short haircut. It's sort of a return to his traditional look, but with a twist. Um, great to hear his real music. Um, and not not that the fashion police weren't entertaining, but they were not uh, what Tyler Breeze's potential should have led to. Uh, Tyler Breeze is, is a fully realized Tyler Breeze here again at TakeOver 25. And Velveteen Dream is better than ever. Um, I, I don't know what this guy's max out is. I don't know what, if any, ceiling he has because he is constantly uh, on the rise. Velveteen Dream is better literally every time uh, he appears on the screen. Um, the Dream Valley Driver goes for one mid-match, and it was so beautifully easy and fluid. Uh, it was an excellent spot, of course. He goes and gets Tyler's uh, iPhone and goes for The, the selfie spot uh, Dreams heal Psychology not only In just the his Machismo and his um, Like Flamboyance and his Better than you Strut But even like knowing to roll Out of the rain nobody does that Anymore sure um, And we see that twice uh we see it on velveteen dreams part here and then we see adam cole do it later in the main event and i'm like when's the last time you saw that ever
0: on raw or smackdown right that happens it may have been a takeover or two ago but yeah like someone hits someone with a finisher but it, like the momentum carries them out of the ring and it's like no he knows he has to go out there and get them and bring them back and they, they kind of they, they go to that and and What you said earlier about things not happening twice in the same show, here's where on NXT it actually does happen twice. That spot that you mentioned, but also the whole countout, like almost a countout thing happens here, and also later on the Cole-Gargano match as well, where it's like, oh, he's got to get him in the ring, and he knows that. It's just like, Gargano, just stay in the ring. You'll retain the title. You win. It doesn't matter. You're champion. Like There's no reason for you to leave the ring to bring Cole into the ring. You're going to win. There's no reason for that, um, but in, in this case, I think it's it's you know Breeze has to get Dream in, who is the champion because you can't win by disqualification the title even if you sure. win the match. For those who don't know, uh, so yeah, but uh, the, there were shades of like this is happening twice, and this is one of those occasions where it looked like things are happening twice on the same show. Uh, but no, the the wrestling is phenomenal. Yeah, the end of the
1: the end of the match is is, is pretty excellent too. Uh, Velveteen Dream is on the outside. He grabs his North American championship. He goes and he's going to hit Breeze with the belt. But Breeze takes it away from Dream. And then, of course, he, he then gives it to the referee, which causes him to be distracted by the ref and his own actions. And all of a sudden, Velveteen Dream is there. He's poised. He's ready to pounce. And he snatches up Tyler Breeze. He hits the Dream Valley driver, followed immediately by the Purple Rainmaker. One, two, three. Three dream over,
0: yeah, and uh, good on good on Tyler Breeze for uh, getting to wrestle NXT quality matches, but still making that sweet WWE contract money. Uh, so he gets the best of both I worlds, I guess. So,
1: yeah, good for him, and uh, but also good for him for doing the favors here. It makes Dream look so good. And um, the only thing that the only thing I would question about Dream was his choice to wear that body necklace. Um, which of course immediately gets destroyed. Oh yeah, I noticed that.
0: Yeah, it flies out of the ring. Yeah, yeah. Tyler does one move and it breaks, and I'm <laughs> like, "What did you think was gonna happen?" <laughs> I thought it was very cool when Dream leaves the ring at the end of the match, and uh, there's like a there's like this little young white child who's got the third eye sunglasses that Dream wears, like a, a Velveteen Dream t-shirt. And even Velveteen Dream's kind of like, oh, this, this guy's okay, like comes and like hugs him. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Um, it, It's it's cool how over Velveteen Dream is. Like we've said time and time again, I hope he never leaves NXT because Vince would fuck that up so bad.
1: Oh, God, please stay in
0: NXT forever.
1: Please. Next up, the penultimate match of the evening. Boy, this is the one thing that is nice about takeover cards and far as far as discussing them, they're they're compact. Yeah. AEW take notes. You can do a lot more with less, AEW. That's true. And you can spend less of the cons money. Uh, <laughs> NXT <laughs> women's champion Shayna Baszler, the Queen of Spades, takes on the genius, the genius of the sky? Okay didn't sound right all of a sudden because Kyrie sane is the sky pirate right so okay they' they both live in the air very again it's very soul caliber it's all very soul caliber it's all
0: very soul caliber uh,
1: Break out your sacred dreamcasts kids
0: this is a <laughs> this is a great match this is probably Shanna Baszler's best match if you ask me. Um, and to me, this is what the Kyrie Sane Basler matches should have been—a uh, a Japanese wrestler who's a way more credible threat than the tiny Kyrie Sane. Which you know, I, I take nothing away from her. She's a, she's a, a very good wrestler, but she's so tiny. She's so tiny. So when she had a who's this badass MMA chick, you know, who's who can fucking break anyone's arm at will. You know, it's fighting Kairi Sane, and Kairi Sane's going over on her. It's like, that's, eh, I don't know if I believe that. Eero Shirai, however, which is a more normal sized human being and a very talented wrestler, a genius of the sky, some say, uh, takes on Shanna Baszler, who is a genius of the ground, uh, some would say, with her submission abilities. Um, it's, it's a really good matchup.
1: No, it totally is. You're right about Shirai's size. Makes her a little more believable uh, as a threat to Shayna Baszler, who is just, uh, she is a seething monstrosity of a woman. Like, she is just, oh, she is just muscle and, and meanness. And uh, there is something about her, man. There is some, There is some sort of dead look in her eyes. And that combination of like stillness, she puts that mouthpiece in uh, to guard her front teeth, and then she just she goes to work on sure. her opponents to, to dismantling them. And I am I am still so firmly on board with the Shayna Baszler train. Uh, she is one of my favorite female wrestlers ever,
0: mm-hmm. and every time she comes out, I'm more and more. She really is great. We've, all, I mean, we've been singing the praises of Shannon Baszler for a long time on this show. Like, she's someone who, you know, comes from, you know, real fighting. And you, you would immediately assume they're not going to take fake fighting seriously. But she does. She puts in the work. She sells things perfectly. She puts people over the way you're supposed to. She is a professional. And I fucking can't stand that she is booed. By that NXT audience, and some of it seems like not just because I'm supposed to boo you. It's like maybe people aren't on board with her for whatever reason. But how could you doubt her ability? I don't understand that. I really don't get it. If that no. is the case, I might be being worked by by my own kind, my my fans of NXT. I don't know, but some of it kind of seems like malicious. Like they really don't like Shanna Baszler, like for some reason. Um, but no, she's she's great. Puts the work in. Phenomenal, phenomenal match. I I agree.
1: Um, I honestly believed that Shirai could win this match at one point. I at thought she was points.
0: going to win. Yeah, I thought. Oh, well, I mean, Bayes has had the belt for a while. I guess this is now now is a good time to take it off. But do you want another Japanese woman to hold the belt after you just had Kairi Sane and Oscar, who had it for over a year? uh so it, it is kind of like a, oh do we do that you know what i mean it kind of looks a little i won't say suspect there's nothing there's, there's nothing like suspicious about it but it's kind of like oh another japanese woman you know what i mean so sure. i know I, I mean you can, I can't really i'm with you. you can't quite put my finger on it but it just doesn't seem right exactly it, it, it's like it's like you know more gaijin winning the you know in the the new japan pro wrestling you know IWGP heavyweight championship it's like oh another oh, yeah. another fucking gaijin you know what i mean like same thing yeah
1: oh i know man there was a time not too long ago where we said that i guess it was probably when they were running those shows in in california and uh like maybe it was the long beach show the G1 special in long beach that we were like really you were putting over all the gaijin yeah, uh, the, you, just because you're in the United States
0: doesn't mean you have to do that. That doesn't, in fact, that doesn't make any sense. So o- stop doing that. Yeah, Omega's your heavyweight champion. Jericho's your intercontinental champion. Fucking Jay White, Switchblade is your U.S. champion. It's like, man, Gaijin Palooza. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I missed that music festival.
0: Oh well, um, uh, yeah, it was it was really good. Mazzy Star was there and. uh Oh, man, I'm really sorry. Lisa Loeb and, uh, yeah, the whole game. Anyway. Mazzy Mazzy star. Mm. No, no, I I agree with you, Darren. I agree.
1: (laughs) Well, Baszler locks in her finisher on Shirai, and uh, it's bad enough. Then she starts, to quote Morrow, ragdolling her, uh, and then locks it back in firmly, and it's like, She's, I was like, she's going to pass out. She's going to pass out. And then, like, what was really crazy is, like, she was kind of half passing out and then, like, tapped. And normally you don't see that. It's, like, all, like, tapping furiously in a panic or passing out. But this was, like, oh,
0: shit, I'm going to die. Let me tap out before I die. I would have much rather she just passed out. But I guess they didn't want to echo the Nikki Cross finish where Nikki Cross just passes I, out. Maybe. I don't I'm with, know. I'm with, but I liked it. I liked it because it it showed like, so I don't know, it showed something different. It was different. What would have been cool is if she went to tap out but passed out before she could. So you got like a slow one pat, two pat, and then the third one is just her arm falling lifeless because she passed out trying to tap out. I would have liked that. No, I, dig, I dig that. Uh, but the desperation, the desperation was cool. Sure, sure.
1: And then afterwards, she loses, but then as Baszler's celebrating, she goes, cuckoo bananas.
0: And it's like <laughs> what of the, the lesser-known breakfast cereals? Cuckoo bananas, <laughs> which is, uh, I guess, what, chocolate bananas breakfast cereal? Yeah. Yum. Oh, man, well. Yeah, we forgot to mention the fact that uh, uh, Shannon Baszler's backup arrives to the ring. As some of the four horsewomen show up. Uh, but Candice LeRae shows up with a like a comically large kendo stick. Did you notice that? <laughs> and just like, like like a basically like a baby tree, and just beats up uh, the ladies ringside. Which uh, Io Shirai grabs that kendo stick after the match and uses it to destroy Shanna Baszler.
1: A baby tree. <laughs> That's what it looked like. It did look like totally like a baby tree, especially. In Candace's hands, because again, when you talk about somebody being little, Candace LeRae is
0: tiny. She's teeny tiny.
1: But um, also what is her is her gimmick she's everybody's friend, Candace LeRae? Like why I wanna see her wrestling
0: more. I have a feeling she's gonna be the one that's gonna dethrone Baszler. I think that's where this is all going. Oh hell yes. Sure. That is gonna be that's gonna be extraordinary. I'm gonna dig that.
1: But that is if Baszler can recuperate from the uh, ass-beating, the the welts, the welts that uh, Shirai leaves on Baszler with, the, with that baby tree. Um,
0: the welts were pretty intense. I, I didn't know if she was the NXT Women's Champion or the welterweight champion.
1: Oh, uh, very good. Did
0: I, did I do it?
1: Hey, Perry. You
0: did it. Yay.
1: And that only leaves the main event of the evening with the NXT Championship on the line. The champion, Johnny Gargano, takes on the Panama City Playboy and the leader of the Undisputed Era. He's here to shock the system, Perry. He is Adam Cole, baby. They should have
0: (laughs) have called the show TakeOver 25. I hope you like the Undisputed Era music. Because this is the fourth time you hear, shock the system. And it was kind of like, oh,
1: my God. Right. My favorite part is, like I said this once before, it's the NWO music without being the NWO music.
0: Yeah, it helps when Kyle O'Reilly is uh, playing the – Typically as the tag team title belt like a guitar, much like Hogan did. Obviously a, a throwback to Hogan, the Hollywood Hogan, I should say. Uh, but yeah, sure. uh, we, we speak of uh, Undisputed Era. Thus far, they have been unsuccessful uh, in destroying Matt Riddle and getting back those tag team titles. Will Adam Cole be successful in dethroning Johnny Gargano for that NXT World Championship title, Darren? Well, I know, but will he? <laughs>
1: Well, I know too, but we don't want to say it just
0: yet. Not just yet. No, no. Uh,
1: If he wants to, he's going to have to just about kill Johnny Wrestling to get it. Um, This one is right. I'm still going to go with Roddy and Riddle as being a superior match to this. But this is, in much the same way as Roderick Strong and Matt Riddle, this match is incredible. Wow. It is it is a sprint. Um, it's a high-speed sprint. It is back and forth. There are so many near falls. There is at least three or four places where I thought it was ending. We're probably where I would have ended it, and it went a little bit further.
0: Wow. Um, it was a very good match, much like their first meetup. The first, I'll say, third of the match was not very good? Because, I mean, their first match was a best of three falls. And it, to me, didn't get good until after, after the first fall. Um, but in this case, the, the first little bit of the match, because they know each other so well. There's so many, like, counters and they go for the same thing and all that stuff. But the thing with that is because it's so much leg offense and kicks and knees, it kind of looks like a bunch of miscommunication. So it's hard to broadcast that's what's happening and not just oh we're fucking up we're fucking up. Um, so it, it looked a little sloppy in the beginning. And I actually thought this, Darren. I know you're praising this match, but there was a moment where I was like, is this match bad? Is this a what? Is this a bad match for an instance or two? But like I said, once you got past the first third, then the match really really picks up and then like you know the third act, if you will. Uh really really blows it out of the water. There may have been one too many. One, two, no! He's up again! Like that can get really exhausting um, for me. But uh, beyond that, no, it, it's a phenomenal match. They're both great wrestlers. Gar- it, Gargano can have a good match with anyone. I've I've always said that about Joanna Gargano. Um, so it's it's very good. Very surprising that Adam Cole does pull out the victory here. And without the aid of the Undisputed Era. So you do, folks, have a new NXT World Champion and Adam Cole. So uh, some gold comes back to the Undisputed Era. But if you were going to make Adam Cole champion fairly shortly after Gargano won the belt, maybe he should have just won the belt in the first place. Because for Gargano to win the belt that he's never held before, the main title of NXT... He doesn't have it for very long. I, I've always said a Gargano should be the Tommy Dreamer where he gets close, but doesn't quite get it. Uh, and if he ever did become champion, he needed to be Champa to become champion. So if you're going to give the belt to Cole anyway, he probably should have won the first time. That's all. Beyond that, the wrestling's top notch.
1: Well, I can't disagree with you about uh, what you, you're saying about the title and when to place it on whom but as far as the wrestling match goes this this match was better than anything at EW double or nothing as well sure so multiple matches maybe even maybe even every match was better than anything at double or nothing wow even the tag match young bucks and the uh, lucha bros in terms of wrestling, that one could compete. Sure. Well, and in terms of like feeling and importance, the Rhodes Brothers match could compete, but nothing else.
0: Well, I mean, like it or not, NXT and AEW have the same business model. Really good indie talent wrestling, really good matches. But NXT is very concise, uh, whereas AEW goes on too long. At this point Yes and with that With your statement in mind
1: And the last two and a half hours uh, As all all the evidence we need I will now state In conclusion Until I'm proven differently NXT Is still The best Wrestling In the world Because At any given time whether it's five years ago with Sami Zayn and Neville, uh, whether it's three or four years ago with Kevin Owens, Finn Balor, Shinsuke Nakamura, Samoa Joe, or whether we're talking about the reigns of McIntyre and Andrade, or whether we're talking about Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano. At any given time, NXT has not just indie talent. It has the very best indie talent on a very prominent stage at a, for lack of a better term, stage in careers where they're still allowed to perform uh, to the best of their ability. And it's just really incredible. If you want to watch a pro wrestling product, you need to watch NXT and you need to watch New Japan Pro Wrestling. If you like professional wrestling, that's what you need to watch right now. I want AEW to find its way onto that list, maybe even the top of that list. They've got to do a lot of soul searching because Double or Nothing looked messy and lost. It was an achievement, but takeover shows that when Vince McMahon is not directly involved, WWE is still where it's at. Uh, even if it's on the, the little even if it's on the littlest brand, it's
0: still the littlest giant. Sure. It's the little brand that could. Little brand that could. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, I agree with all those points, Darren. Uh, for me, NXT is still the best as far as uh, indie wrestlers getting uh, more widespread attention and getting paid more money. Um, I think NXT still uh, has a great formula. Uh, but to be fair, NXT's been it a lot longer than AEW has. So, And again, I'm, looking, I'm still looking forward to AEW. Looking forward to seeing storylines develop and uh, what wrestling matches lie ahead. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but as far as, like... You know, big, big shows over the last two weeks. You know, if we're comparing Double or Nothing to NXT 25, uh, NXT wrestling wise did kind of uh, shoulder it out. Uh, I will say that. But what do you think, folks? What do you think, hashtag to your listeners? AEW, NXT, or WWE? Let us know. There are a lot of ways you can let us know. Find us on Twitter at Refn Show Podcast. That's R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Find us on Facebook. Like and share. We would appreciate that. Send us a Gmail if you want to. Show at gmail.com. T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. Or
1: you can find us on Instagram at Show. T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W. T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W- You can like our pictures, leave us comments, ask us questions. Have a lot of fun with us on Instagram.
0: Yes, indeed. You can reach out to us any way you can, folks, if you want to. We'll probably get back to you. We got nothing else better to do. (laughs) Well, maybe Darren does. I don't know. Uh, But that is it, folks. Thank you so much for joining us once again on the only wrestling podcast that calls it Right Down the Middle, the whole ref and show. By the way, my name is Perry Smith. And I am the incredible
1: badass that is Darren Beeson.
0: And we're going to see you next time, folks. Thanks for joining us. And we hope to see you again next
1: Bye! is the winner! Just turn the crank and snap the blank and do the ball right down the chute. Now watch it roll and hit the pole. Knock the ball and the it up top, which fits the man into the fan. The trap is set! Here comes the man. Ouch! I guarantee it's the craziest trap you'll ever
2: see! I win! I knew you were a winner! Mousetrap from Milton Bradley!